you are you know if the sun comes up uh, in recorded the West, live but to me it is just totally amazing and incredible all right you figure it out zombies uh, death cults seems to all stem from Pinellas I'd be careful about going to Pinellas Park if I were you even though I had uh, friends, my, some of my special forces soldiers are down in that area, but you, doesn't, you don't ever see them on the juries. At any rate, uh, as I speak, the president is speaking. Obama's talking about the awfulness if he doesn't get the debt ceiling raised. He's talking about how awful it would be. And so uh, he. Uh, it, there are two dates that you should uh, be aware of. One is the 22nd of July. The 22nd of July, Congress or the administration, whichever this way it's going to go, <laughs> has got to have the proposal on how they're going to solve because uh, America now cannot pay its debts any longer. Well, they got to have it done and ready by the 22nd of July because it has to go through the House. It's got to go through the Senate. Now, this means go through from the subcommittees to the committees before the main Senate, before the main House, then they have to, if they approve it, they have to meet in conference so that every word of what the House of Representatives has is exactly every jot, every tittle with what the Senate has. And once they get that conference, that compromise worked out, then they take the documents back and they vote on it on the floor. Well, that's the 22nd of July to the 2nd of August. And so what Obama is saying is, and what most of the American people believe, it's the Congress. Well, Obama, of course, he has spent more than all the presidents put together in all of history since 1776, even though we didn't have, we were fighting uh, at that point in time. Uh, but the point is, is that he blames the Congress. He would just keep spending. There would be no end. Obama is a socialist. And you want just a bit of evidence? How about this guy? I've already talked to you about him three or four times that he appointed as a czar for all the green money, that was the green projects. And he is a self-proclaimed communist. So there is no question that, and Obama has already stated, I don't like the national anthem. I, if I could change it, uh, I would change it to, I uh, wish uh, that uh, all the world could sing, you know, there'd, there'd be no more war. He said, I don't like the flag of the United States because it, is a flag that talks to slavery. It's a flag who talks uh, to violence. 
He said, I don't like uh, the national anthem because of uh, all of the reference to bombs bursting in the skies. And well, what does Obama like? What does he want? Is it a red banner with a hammer and sickle, or is it a red banner uh, with a gold star, like the red Chinese? Just exactly what would he have? I mean, do things seem a little strange? Remember when they gave that guy the Nobel Peace Prize and he hadn't done anything except he was on the Senate that uh, had the Black Caucus that that worked illegally through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and celebrated, we did it, we did it, when they had... Uh, put all of these fraudulent uh, mortgages together, and then all the foreigners had bought up these things, and people that couldn't even make the first payment, they thought what they'd done is great. Well, it's not. By the way, Herman, oh, anyway, so the, uh, the House of Representatives is the key. Uh, the Republicans are in charge. They say no new taxes and uh, deep cuts. Obama is saying we need new tax and we don't want to cut stuff. And so there you are. That's the so we have the uh, uh, Speaker of the House talking probably now. Obama may still be talking. But you can turn on your news and listen to it. It is something that we're not supposed to say. Like Dick, I don't know what they did in the time of Tricky Dick Nixon, but you're not supposed to call somebody a dick. And mumbo-jumbo is not a politically correct phrase. But mumbo-jumbo describes exactly what is going on in this fuss over the debt ceiling. But it's got to be solved by the 22nd of July so that it can be presented to Congress so that they can work through the system and have it solved and voted on not later than the 2nd of August. Otherwise, they will, just like Minnesota, turned off the lights. Uh, look at Minnesota, see what's happening to them, then you can imagine what it might be like in the United States. But we're going to win this thing in the end. So just uh, keep your powder dry. All right, now you stay tuned to American Voice Radio, and uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Fearless men who jump and die, men who mean just what they say, the brave men of the Green Beret. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. 
You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. me as a frequent caller to Frank's show. Uh, actually, I, I I guess I just had to get my own show and stop leeching off of Frank. I've been, like I said, a frequent caller. His show has been very gracious over the years, uh, you know, allowing me to call in and keeping me on the air for a long time and, and, and really, you know, giving me a, uh, an outlet that, uh, well, that I need. But I guess it was time to, you know, to get my own show. A bit of an inter- more of an introduction. Uh, I have a full-time job. I'm a truck driver up here in the state of Washington. Uh, it, it, it's their long hours. I work nights. And, yeah, so anything else maybe that you would like to know about me, you can maybe just uh, go to the chat room. Let me mention the chat room. Go to the AmericanVoiceRadio.com, and to the left you'll see a chat link. Go in there and put an email address, and Frank goes over this on, on his show and, you know, put, like, a password in there and, a name or whatever, and go into the chat room. I encourage you. It, it's a really good resource that Frank has uh, given us over the years. It's it's available uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's often times, even when the, sh- uh, the the network is not live, there there are people in there. 
And uh, it's just a really good resource for people to, to go to. And, and another good thing briefly about the chat room is, is that it's, it's, it's real, not just user friendly, but it's, how do I put this? It's, it's not like an intimidating place to go. You're not going to be, you know, beat up in there and there's not going to be a lot of, there's just not a lot of BS in there. Uh, you're, you're, there's no bad language in there. There's, you know, people are sometimes just talking about just goofy stuff, but it's, it's not BS. Frank just won't put up with that. And you probably want him to get warned. So I'll let you know that right now. Uh, you probably want him to get warned. You're just going to get booted. And that would be unfortunate. So if you go to the chat room, and just be respectful. And people actually, they will absolutely uh, be respectful of you. You can ask questions. People will post links. Uh, sometimes it can get hard to keep up with. Sometimes it, a lot of people get in there, and it gets kind of hard to keep up with. But, you know, that's, that's just kind of the way it is. That's the medium that it is. But it's a great resource. It's free that Frank uh, makes available for us. So anyway, beyond that, I think that's about it. I'll just kind of get right into a few topics. And the first one is we just came out of the Independence Day, the 4th of July. Now, what is the 4th of July? Well, anymore, it's just a bunch of morons buying fireworks. They don't even know what they're doing with them. They don't even know why they're setting them off. They leave huge piles of trash and beer bottles, cigarette butts. They oftentimes do even stupider things like the guy, where was it? Uh, was it in Maine or Vermont? He put like a bottle rocket on his head and set it off like he thought that was a good idea. Well, he's dead. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. So that's what people, that's the 4th of July now. That's Independence Day. Really? Well, how much, how much liberty do we really have? Everybody talks about the Constitution. Everybody does. All the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, it, half the people have never read it. <laughs> they couldn't even cite two or three of the first 10 amendments. But, but let's look at how much liberty we really have. And I'm not going to go over the, the Bill of Rights, but you can do that for, your, for yourself. But the First Amendment, do we really have complete First Amendment rights? How about the Second Amendment? Really? I mean, they're trying to ban guns every day. Now, look, I'll read the Second Amendment because it's very short. It says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed. Now, it doesn't say may be infringed or it doesn't say, well, if, you know, if we don't want maybe like something. It says shall not be infringed. Is that the world we live in today? Ask yourself that question. Well, no, that's not the world we live in today. So this whole 4th of July and Independence Day, just like any other uh, holiday, this one in particular, though, along with like Veterans Day, that's another holiday that just kind of grates on me, uh, Veterans Day. You know, you got uh, you got our politicians, most of which now have, have never even served in the military. Remember when a president like was proud of his war record? You know, he was like a, a hero and he ran for president on that. That was like his one of his, his his biggest claims to, you know, being qualified was that he was like a World War II vet. He was a, or a fighter pilot or a, or a tank commander or a PT boat captain well, anymore. These politicians, none of them serve, but they're more than comfortable, okay, 
of sending other people's kids over to get their legs blown off, okay, get their arms blown off, and to just kill civilians in foreign countries that have done nothing to us. So I just want everybody to kind of kind of reflect back on the day that was the 4th of July and Independence Day, because I got to tell you, and I, I don't want to sound like a stick in the mud or somebody that doesn't love my country or that I'm not patriotic. I, I don't want to hear that. Okay, because Independence Day anymore is just, it's like I said, it's just about a bunch of morons buying fireworks they probably can't even afford, okay, and just setting them off and, and causing fires mostly. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. It just doesn't make sense to me. And if it makes sense to, to you guys out there, that's, that's very troubling that, if, that people can't kind of put two and two together because it's supposed to mean something. You know, Independence Day is not, you know, it's not supposed to mean they just go out and buy some fireworks and act like a, act like a moron. That's not what it's all about. Okay. So I just thought I'd put that out there. Now I want to move on to another topic. And it's been in the news. It's been in the news quite a bit uh, on this network and everywhere. It's been, I, I won't say it's been really beaten because it's still kind of relevant. It's still out there. And that is the, the issue of the dreadful Confederate flag. Now, here it is. It's just a flag. It's, it was a Confederate battle flag. It wasn't a flag of particularly any state. It, it was a battle flag that the Confederate troops carried into the field. It, it was a battle flag. Okay. And now you've got South Carolina and that creature who calls herself a governor, Nikki Haley, and she's supposed to be on our side. Okay. She's supposed to be on our side. She says that she can't look her children in the face unless they get this Confederate flag taken down from the state capitol. And she herself has stated, herself has stated that Civil War, a.k.a. the War of Northern Aggression, because that's what it really was. And if, and, if, and, and if you guys don't get that, if people don't get that it, that, that it was that, it was the War of Federal Aggression. That's what it was. Okay. You had federal troops that were, you know, supremely armed, and they basically marauded a bunch of farmers. And, the, and now I got to tell you, the farmers held their own. Okay, the, the federal government kind of bit off more than they can chew, and that's really the that's really the the the, the point right there to, to why they want to get rid of this because it does scare them. That symbol does scare them because that's the last time I believe that the federal government was uh, was was felt threatened. Okay, but getting back to the Confederate flag and having it taken down, it's just a, it's just more BS, and it's just more. Uh, uh, bread and circus, if you will. It's more of like a smokescreen, you know, for people to kind of get them distracted. And, 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 you know, you have people that are supposedly on our side. Ron Paul was not Ron Paul. Rand Paul was one of the first ones to come out. And I called his office. It was last week. And I was outraged. I forget what he said. It doesn't matter. But, you know, it was the same old politician uh, line. And we got to get rid of it. It's racist and so forth. And here's the thing. Is this who we want running for president? Is that the kind of person that you want running for president? That's a clown. We want, I, I want a leader. I want somebody who's a leader running for president. If I were running for president and some media person asked me, what do I think about the Confederate flag? I said, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? That's just a smokescreen. But they fall in, and now they all are. you got Chris Christie and, and Bush and, of course, all the, the Marxist communists, leftists on the other side, uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, and I don't even know who they are because they're all just a bunch of clowns. Each and every one of them are just a bunch of clowns. 
it doesn't matter who you put in there. It doesn't matter who we vote for. Okay, and I've said this before, that the whole system, the whole system is corrupt from top to bottom. I don't care who you put in there. I don't care if you put 10 people in there that you think are going to be good. It doesn't matter. Once they get there, that is Washington. Once they get into that system, that's it. That's it. The system is what it is, and it is completely, absolutely rotten to the core. Okay? And it just... It, it just boggles my mind when I and, and look, I don't watch TV, and I I strongly urge you guys to, to not watch television. To kill your television, get rid of it, okay? But that doesn't mean I don't you know stay up on top of current events and so forth. And so you know uh, you know I see the television and I kind of see things. And the other day I was leaving work, and Chris Christie was on one of those morning shows, and and of course he's talking about you know like now he's some kind of expert on Iran, and it's the same thing, you know about sanctions and the old they've worked the sanctions have worked haven't they right no they haven't worked but but it doesn't matter who you who you put in there they're all a bunch of they're just all a bunch of clowns i mean that's really what they are does anybody really think that hillary clinton first of all first of all let me say this about hillary clinton first of all she is a vile and disgusting person first of all secondly she's a criminal that much is true. How many dead bodies, how many dead bodies does this woman have piled up somewhere, her and her uh, criminal co-conspirator? How many? Lots, okay, lots. And, and does anybody really think that that woman is qualified to be the president of the United States? That's insane. That's insane. At, at best, okay, at best, that creature that violent, disgusting person belongs in prison. Okay, but what she what, what what really needs to happen is she needs to be hung by the neck after her trial, of course, her speedy trial for treason. And and, and that the same could be said for uh, for well any politician nowadays, especially a politician running for president. You just pick one. You pick one, and I bet you you could find at least one or two pretty like significant scandals that they've been involved in. Okay. And, and well, with Hillary Clinton, it's dozens, okay. Dozens of scandals now. And then you go to the other side with the Republicans, Jeb Bush, really? He's, he's like considered a, a candidate for president. That, that doesn't even make any sense to me. Wasn't he the one that kind of helped rig the election for his brother down in Florida? He just, just look it up. And these are the people that we're considering running for president, being the leader of what they call, you know, the free world, which, again, getting back to where I started off, how free are we? How free are we? I mean, you got to take your shoes off, okay, to get on an airplane. If you're carrying even just a little bottle of water, I mean, you could, you're, you're going to be stopped. They're going to make you undo the uh, the cap and they're going to like dip it and swab it. And they're going to, you know, they got these armed, fat, disgusting TSA agents who were unqualified to, to be uh, crossing guards doing the, this kind of stuff. And, and we're free, but people are so just, they're so, they're so duped into, into this like false reality. Like we live in a free country. 
mean, you got these billboards that say if you if you see something, you know, say something, and you got your neighbors, you know, calling on neighbors, and oh, I, I heard a a car backfire, so I'm going to call nine one one, you know, and and then SWAT teams are going to show up. Really? That's that's we live in a that's a free country to you. That's not a free country to me. That's not why I joined the service. That that's not why I believe a lot of people join the service. Now, I've said this, uh, and I know others on this network have said it that you know most people join the service because not because you know they're patriotic or you know they want to go fight for their country. You know, most people join, and I'll just speak for myself here. It's it's largely because. Uh, well, I didn't have anything else to do, okay? I really didn't have any options. Okay, it was either that or, I don't know, continue to just get in fistfights. And, you know, I had already, without divulging too much, tried to drink all of the beer in southwestern Pennsylvania. Hope that wasn't, you know, too much there. But, you know, I had to stop doing that, okay? So, hey, I joined the service. And I liked what I did in the service, okay? But looking back, I mean, certainly now, I mean, I, I have kids and I forbid them. I, and, and luckily they have, you know, they're smart and they're not, you know, they, they wouldn't need to consider it. But I tell people, I wouldn't, why would you even consider joining the service? And to do what? To go be what? A mercenary? To, to go uh, help this federal government uh, attack? What do we do now? We don't really fight wars like, you know, World War II where you had these, you had battle lines and, and you had, you know, you know, armies and, then, you know, there was there was tactical this and, and that's not what we do now. That's not what we do now. We just go, we pick a country, we pick a country that we have, yeah, whatever, we'll just pick, let's pick them. And then we just go bomb them and just murder civilians. That's what we do. Then we occupy them. And we now and we do this. Well, sometimes we do it just for no reason, just because what the heck? You know, hey, let's just go. Let's go do something. But, but I, I have to say that most of the time, the, the, the federal government does do it for a reason. They want their natural resources, or maybe they don't like, you know, the particular leader that was democratically elected. Okay, right? Democratically elected. You know, that's what we tell. Hillary Clinton said it about two years ago. She said something like that. You know, we help spread Western democracy uh, throughout the world. And when I heard that. When I heard that, I said, that doesn't even make sense to me. How can you, how can you, how can you implement Western style democracy in, you know, some of these places? It's, I mean, it's just not their culture. And I don't care, obviously, it doesn't even matter what you do. Okay. You can bomb them into submission, kill all their civilians, decimate their cities. Okay. Firebomb their villages. Poison their rivers, you name it, destroy their currency, on and on and on. Guess what? At the end of the day, they're not going to conform to our style of government. That's not how they live. Sometimes they just want to be cavemen and, you know, chop their daughter's arms off because they, you know, did something wrong. Okay. That's just who they are. Who are we, okay, to say that that's none of our business? Don't you think we have enough problems right here in this country well, I mean, obviously we do, but our government's ignoring those. So things are insane out there. We don't have any liberties, and we're having less and less liberties every day. And if, and if, and if we continue to keep going down this path of just 
you know, electing the same people, essentially. And it, that's how it's really been. I mean, it, literally, that's really how it's been. You know, it's like the Bush-Clinton, uh, you know, flip-flop. Okay, this win, now it's your turn. You know, now it's my turn. And, and, and you maybe have, you know, somebody different maybe once in a while. And hopefully that's how it's going to be uh, next. Not that it's going to be any better, but I, I, hate this, I don't want this to sound like a contradiction or anything, but anything I think would be better than another Clinton or Bush. I think we can all agree to that. It's time for those criminals to go away. If not the prison, then hey, look, man, you're 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 well, you're wealthy beyond, beyond imagine, and you didn't even work for it. Okay, isn't that enough? I mean, isn't that enough that that you you didn't even work for your millions, probably billions of dollars? You've murdered people, literally murdered, cold-blooded murdered people. Isn't that enough? You president a couple of terms and. You've got these, like, uh, you're like, you've got this empire. You're like this dynasty. Isn't that enough? Why don't you just go away? Just go away somewhere, spend your money, and let's try and fix this thing. Okay. Now, I again, I, I don't think we can fix it, though, with the clowns, and that's who they are that are running for president now. And the thing is, and I'm going to get into this in the second part of the show, is that, again, the system is broken. Uh, it doesn't matter who you put in there. Uh, I was a, a, a Rand Paul supporter, and I'm I'm kind of uh, regretting that because I get I constantly get these emails from his campaign or his office or whatever, and it's always begging for money. They and they call it a money bomb. They call it a money bomb. Hey, it's Money Bomb Friday. Like, wait, Money Bomb? Okay, whatever. I replied back, stop begging for money. And well, they I don't know. They obviously don't read those things because. They keep sending me these emails to send them money. But, again, I, I was in the beginning, well, when he ran for senator. I, like I said, I made the mistake. I donated money, $25. I know it's not a lot, but, hey, I'm just a truck driver, okay? So I did it. But anymore, like I said, he was one of the first ones to come out about, you know, the Confederate flag. And it just, as soon as I heard it, as soon as I heard it, it's like another disappointment. It's like I just, I hang my head and go, what? What do you, what is your, why? Why did you do that? You didn't have to say anything. Or you could have just said, I'm not going to discuss that. That has nothing to do with nothing. Why don't we talk about the economy and jobs and the uh, illegal alien criminal invaders that are pouring across our borders, like now Donald Trump has come out. And, you know, I agree with what he said, but I just have a hard time with anybody that's running for office. Okay. Uh, call me a conspiracy nut, but it just seems like kind of, a diversion to me or like kind of some kind of a smokescreen. I know that sounds conspiratorial, but I mean, I'm not, I'm, what else am I left to, to believe? Because they've essentially since not necessarily Ross Bro, because before that it was Ralph Nader when, when the Republicans and the Democrats kind of uh, iced him out of the uh, debates. I don't know if you remember that. He was actually arrested in the state of Michigan. I forget what year that was. Uh, this was probably in the eighties. I, I didn't look it up before the show. You can look it up. And there was a documentary on it, uh, but they've essentially locked, you know, a legitimate third-party candidates out of the uh, out of the process completely. And, you know, the debates are are run by the Democrats and the Republicans anymore, and have been since I believe that Ralph Nader incident. If not then, certainly since Ross Perot, they're not going to let. Look, they'll let them talk and 
and say a few things and stir up some controversy. And But they're not going to let them get close to get to the brass ring, okay, because they'll one of, one of two things will happen. Well, the first one is they'll ace them out. But if they manage to kind of, you know, work their way through and, you know, kind of do a fake or whatever, well, they'll, then they'll just kill them. Okay, I said it. They'll just have them murdered. They'll die like in a one-car accident or like a tractor will run them over like a Jim Trafficant. That happened to him recently. What was that, a year and a half, two years ago? Uh, you know, a, a, he got run over by a tractor, They're like a farm tractor. Okay, yeah, sure he did. That's what they will do. The system is broken, the system is corrupt, and until we have the courage, really, and that's what it's going to take, it's going to come down to the American people, until we have the courage to stand up and, and, and just not participate, just not participate, don't, don't even listen to these people, don't give them the time of day, anybody in their right mind it gives, and I hate to get fixated on Hillary Clinton, I even hate to mention her name, because like I said, she is. She's a vile and disgusting person, okay? Simple as that. She is mentally, she's, a, she's a, like a sociopath. And I'm not a, the terms sometimes kind of, because I'm not a, a medical doctor, but there's something wrong with that person and her co-conspirator, uh, her, her husband there, uh, Bill. You know, uh, these people have, you know, so many dead bodies and so Many scandals. Hillary Clinton of the what does it matter uh, ilk. That's, that's, how, that's the person that we want to be the, the president or, or, or the Hillary Clinton that I don't recall where she pled the fifth, uh, what was it, like 80 times or whatever. That's who we want running for president? Are you out of your mind? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and her biggest thing lately is homos. It's, it's you know, we got we to gotta stick up for these homos and these homosexuals because that is really, that's the, the biggest crisis, that's the biggest national issue right now in this country is, is freaking homosexuals. Are you kidding me? Well, I guess it is. Okay. And then what did you have? You had the Supreme Court recently rule that, hey, man, they can get married in every state now. Okay, and then to top that off, the White House was adorned in the rainbow themed like light show. And as soon as I saw that, I just said, "What?" I had to take it. I did a double take. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? The White House in a homo themed light show? That that's it." I thought that's it. That that should do it. But huh, no, there's there were sales going on down at Walmart. Okay, or J.C. Penney. And, and there's how many fireworks stands are there at the 4th of July? There's, you know, you can go down just any street and there's, there's probably 18 of them. Okay, got all these distractions. Nobody probably saw that. Well, I did. And it, and it disgusted me. And it's, being, you know, being disgusting is, is one thing, but it was offensive as well. And, and, and it was a Fox News host that, that came out, you know, in favor of it because they were debating it on Fox News. And, and I, th- I think it was Juan Williams, and he said something like, well, because they asked, you know, they were asking like this roundtable, and Juan Williams is like, well, you know, it was a Supreme Court ruling, and so I think that makes it appropriate. And I thought, really? I'm sorry. I think I hear something in the background. I'm new at this. Uh, Man, got oh. into 10. 
Okay, so now it's going to be break time, and we'll get back after the break. See you then. Nowhere to be found. Keep looking, man. Man looked on the mountain. He looked across the Farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. 
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, welcome back to the Condition Critical Hour. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. You are listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. Oh, it is, uh, it's Tuesday. I didn't say that before. It is 3.38 p.m. Pacific Standard Time out here, as Frank says, on the uh, West Coast. I'm on the West Coast as well, up here in the state of Washington. Uh, I missed the break, uh, you know, going out of the first segment. I'm, I'm, I'm new at this, so I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I kind of stumbled there at the end. I apologize for that. Uh, I'll try not to let that happen again. I want to go over just a couple things quickly here. First off, I, I do have a website. It's a blog. You can go there, that, and it is irish684.com. That's irish and then the number 684.com. I post uh, articles on there with the help of someone who helped design the site. And I think he's got a couple of posts on there. He's been a, a tremendous help. I can't uh, thank him enough for everything that he's done uh, for helping me uh, do that. Uh, because it's it's been, I think it's really cool. Uh, I'm able to, 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 you know, to get my message out there in, in another format. Okay. And it's, it's kind of new. It's, I've only had it for a month and a half or so, but I've got several posts on there already. So again, that is, that is irish684.com. And that's my blog. And if you want to reach me by email, you can do so at, at foxtrot684.com. That's foxtrot684.com. And what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll put this stuff in the, in the chat room after the show, uh, for, for any of you guys. And you can get in touch with me uh, through either uh, way, through the website or, you know, the email. The email is probably best. And, uh, yeah, anything you want to ask me or tell me or whatever, I, I appreciate, you know, all the input. And secondly, before I move on, I just want to, and I'll do this again toward, at the end of the show, but there is a ton of great programming on this network. And so after my show and beyond, and it, and it kind of accumulates with the what I call – uh, and I think most people would, but the flagship show at eight o'clock uh, Pacific time. And that is the Frank report. Uh, I, I really do encourage you all to listen to the programming on this network. I, I it's top notch and I've listened to it all. Okay. Throughout the years. And I really have. Okay. And I've just been with American voice radio now for a long time. It's, it's been that uh it's just it's been that good okay and one last thing and this is about the network there is a way to donate to this uh network i know frank doesn't uh beg for money and but that doesn't mean that the network doesn't need money and there's a there's a really easy way and what i'll do is i'll post that link as well in the chat room i mean you can donate as little as five dollars a month okay or you could just make a one-time donation I would say, please, please donate some money to this network. I would hate, to, you know, to see this network go away. Uh, that would be a, that would be a huge uh, misfortune for all of us for this network to go away. The network needs it's just like anything else. I mean, you need to put gas in your car. You need money, okay? And Frank doesn't beg for it, but he needs it. Uh, so I, I encourage you all, and he would appreciate it, and and I would appreciate it. So. I think that's about it for that. Uh, I will say this, that usually, because uh, I didn't give out a phone number, and that's only because, seeing this isn't my first show, uh, I kind of just want to get through the first show. So uh, 
instead of just giving out the phone or I, I just want to come out and say, and it's kind of late into the show anyway, that I'm, I'm not going to take calls uh, this show, but I do look forward to taking calls. I really do. And I will. So, but anyway, so we got all that out of the way. And now I, I want to get on with what I was, you know, talking about in the first part of the show. And I'm going to kind of step it up just a little bit. And that is, you know, I said that how the system is bad and it's just corrupt. And there's just, uh, you, it doesn't matter who you put in there. The system's bad. Okay. It doesn't matter how many components you change or mess with this one or tinker with that one or throw this switch and pull that lever. It, the whole system is, is bad. It needs to, to be gone. So how do we get rid of that? Well, or how do we change it? Well, there's this, uh, there's this, process, if you will, called civil disobedience. Okay, people say civil disobedience. Uh, that's what we need to do. Well, I disagree. And I, I haven't just recently disagreed with that. I've disagreed with that for years. Now, I don't know that I was the first one to say this, and I'm going to say it. Civil disobedience is for sissies. Okay, revolutions, wars are not won by writing essays or marching or uh, making a sign and saying, uh, you know, free us or liberty or whatever. That, that's, not, that's not how it works, okay? That just isn't how it works. Is that what they did in the American Revolution? They had some, they, they did like did a march. They'd march and they, they held up some signs and placards and, and Thomas Jefferson wrote like an essay, hey, uh, we think and this and that. No, that's not how things work. The time for civil disobedience has, has long since passed. It doesn't work. Look, in a moral and just society, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a place for that component. But we haven't lived in a moral and just society in a long time. And the things that I see every day, every day, sometimes make me kind of physically ill. And I, I become like this, like I said earlier in the show, I become like a stick in the mud because I'm so just, you know, sickened by the things that I see. And I, I just hang my head. I go, what is, what's going on? You know, what is going on with this country? So civil disobedience does not work. It's time for uncivil disobedience. Uh, there's a thing that I have said in the chat room often, and I'll say it on the air right now. And I say, buy a rifle. That's what people need to do. People need to, to start preparing. That's the only way we're going to look. They're not afraid of you writing letters and, and making phone calls and holding up signs. What, what they were afraid of was that Confederate battle flag. Uh, you, you get my drift? That's what they're afraid of. But if we just sit back, you know, and, and we think we're just going to, oh, if we just put Chris Christie in there, I mean, he's our man. Rand Paul, he's our man. And those Marxist, and that's who they are. Let's identify who those people are on the other side. I mean, the Republicans are bad. Okay, there's no doubt about it that they're bad. In fact, in many ways, they're worse because, you know, we, we, you know they, they get swept into office, like happened back in 94. You guys remember that? And then what happened just recently, the Republicans sweep into office and we're going to change this and that and the other thing. Well, what happened? Well, the Republicans started working more better with uh, Obama than the Democrats were. So, you know, they're just as bad. But let's call them who they are on the other side. They're not Democrats. These are communists. 
period. At least Bernie Sanders has the guts to call himself a socialist. Okay, Hillary Clinton doesn't. Okay, so Hillary Clinton is a straight-up communist Marxist, hardcore. Okay, simple as that. So civil disobedience to these, to these punks it just doesn't work. I mean, they are laughing at us, okay, while they, liberties, the Constitution, are you kidding me? Do you think any politician, Rand Paul included, Chris Christie included, do you think any one of them care about the document that they swear to uphold? Of course they don't. Look at the state of New Jersey. And I've been there. I think Frank is from there. I'm from Pennsylvania. I drove truck over the road, been to New Jersey. Very restrictive state. Very restrictive state. Well, but, you know, you got West Coast states that are just as bad. California actually is probably worse, you know, than New Jersey. So, really? And, and, and we're expecting civil disobedience to work? Now, what are you saying, Jay? I know some people are kind of maybe taking a step back, but, you know, I'm not. I'm not. Look what happens when one guy goes off the rails, just one guy. What was his name down in California, the, the ex-cop, Christopher Dorner? The guy went off the rails. What happened? Man, there was a meltdown. There was a meltdown. What happened when two guys went off the rails? Those two patsies called, uh, so, supposedly called the, uh, the Boston uh, Marathon Bombers. That was two guys that went off the rails. That crippled, what, almost the entire eastern seaboard. Two guys wearing tracksuits. What are you saying, Jay? And you're, you're kind of getting close to maybe a sedition or something here. Well, there is such a thing as free speech. Yeah, and I, I see it right here because I carry one of these little pocket constitutions around with me. I take it serious. I take my liberty serious. But it doesn't seem like most people do take their liberties and their freedoms very serious. Oh, hey, man, you shouldn't say that. Oh, you shouldn't do that. What, you're you're going to. Why are you doing, what are you listening to? What are you, you're going to, these people are going to, you're going to, they're going to, the NSA. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of them. Now, hey, they could, there might be a helicopter above my house right now or later on. If I'm not on the air next week or if I'm not in the chat room later on this evening, I guess you'll know where I, what happened. Okay. But we can't be afraid. We can't just sit back and expect others to do it. Now, again, what am I saying? When it's not working, when things aren't working, even like football teams change their playbook, okay? We have to change our playbook. Look, a football team, they, you know, they start the season, and their goal is to get to the Super Bowl and win, okay? And so they come out of the gates, and, you know, they start losing. They lose the first game. Okay, not so bad. The second, third, now the fourth. But now, look, things are getting bad. Now the coaches are going to start getting fired. Uh, maybe even owners. Players are going to get traded. Fans are going to protest, and they're going to be calling the, the, the talk sports radio shows, and the people are just going to be outraged that their team's not trying to win, so forth and so on. Well, you got this one brilliant coach, maybe, who, you know, maybe in the beginning said, uh, uh, hey, coach, head coach, hey, man, we need, to, we need to change our playbook here. Things aren't working. That's what we need to do. Okay there, uh, junior coach, what playbook are you recommending? Well, I got this playbook here, coach. It's called the Uncivil Disobedience Playbook. And, okay, that's kind of, uh, hmm, that's kind of radical. That's kind of new. Hmm, okay, let's try it. Guess what? Well, I don't have to tell you what. 
<laughs> the minute you start implementing the uncivil di- disobedience playbook, I guarantee you, you're going to start winning. That's the only thing they know. Look, man, what do they do? Like I said earlier in the show, what do they do when they go to other countries? They don't go over there and send a diplomat with an essay or a, a, a placard saying, uh, free your people, whatever. No, they send fighter jets, okay, and stealth bombers and Tomahawk missiles. That's what they do. And behind them, they send like uh, Blackwater and, and special ops and, and, and financial terrorists to go in and, and undermine their currency, okay? And they send chemists in to poison their rivers and their wells. Okay, and they send uh, terrorist veterinarians in to uh, uh, inject their cattle and their livestock with, with pathogens. That's what they do. Oh, Jay, that's radical. Where, where, where are you getting this stuff? Open your eyes. That's where I'm getting it. Tell me I'm wrong. Somebody, tell me I'm wrong. Well, you can't tell me I'm wrong. That's what's happening. I would much rather... I would much rather it not be the way it is, okay? But things are bad. Things are significantly bad. They're not going to get better unless we do something about it. And that's not put that creature Hillary Clinton or that clown Rand Paul in office. That that is a complete waste of time, period. And I'm just a truck driver, okay? I am. But it's a complete waste of time. Prove me wrong. Send me an email. Put something in the chat room. Send me a letter. Post something on my blog. Prove me wrong. Tell me the course that we're on right now and that we've been following. And in fact, we've gotten even more sissified. It's just unbelievable how, how not part of the process, how little of the process that the American people are, act, are actually involved in. They're so distracted by other things. They have no idea. You look, you got Greece, uh, you know, well, they're kind of standing up for themselves, but they got like these currency controls. You know, you can only get 20 euros a day out of your bank account or 60 euros. Look, we've had that kind of, we've had those kind of controls here, okay, for years. Go to your bank. What do you got? Now, it might be a higher limit, like four or $500, but it's still there. What do you think that's there for? Do you think that's there to protect you or something? Oh, that's, hmm, that's, that's odd. I was going to go buy a used car, and I, I know I got $6,000 in the bank, and I was going to withdraw $2,500, but, but I can't. Why, that's for your protection? Well, that's what they lead you to believe. And if you're a moron, and you are if you believe that, okay, you're a moron. Those are, those are, those are mechanisms that, that are in place like for, for currency control. That's simple as that. Now, I'm not an economist, but you can listen. There's a show on this network, Financial Survival. Listen to that and let those guys tell you, you know, in a, in a, in a you know, a kind of a better way, you know, than I am, in a more detailed way than I am. But it's true nonetheless. Okay, just because maybe I can't define it like Aladask or Melody Zederstrom doesn't mean that it's not true. Okay. Folks, we, we have to change what we're doing. And we have to do it soon, okay, because they are not stopping. Here, and that's the key. They're not stopping. They're not just content with their own status quo. Like, hey, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to, everybody's just, we're going to just go along to kind of get along. 
you guys are going to be morons and we're going to rule over you and, and it's all going to be good. No, man. Okay, not true. They are putting things in place. And I know, Jay, there you go. Now you're now you got your tinfoil hat on. Now you're starting to lose people. But that's where you have to hang on. Okay, people, you just have to hang on and hear these arguments out. Okay. They're not stopping. If anybody thinks they are, again, you're a moron. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend anybody. But they're not stopping. And the only way they are going to stop is if we, we, and look, here's the thing, and this is the beautiful thing, is that we still have that, uh, we still have that option. We still have, call it a luxury, if you will, but, but don't you see it kind of slipping away? Don't you see daily, don't, don't you see daily how things are just slipping away, okay? And it's very slick the way they do it, and you, and you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to what they're doing, because if you're, just like anything else, if you're not paying attention, you're, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to know these things. So I, I just, I, I can't emphasize it enough how we all have to start paying attention and, and doing something about it. And I'm open for suggestions, but civil disobedience isn't one of them. Yeah, I know I write a blog and that could be some, I guess you could say some form of civil disobedience, but I'm up for forming groups, getting to know your neighbors and getting to know your coworkers and, and having a plan just like they have a plan. Because right now, look, like I said, what, just one guy going off the rails, and then I said two guys. What if it were, what if it were five guys? What if it were 10 guys? What if it were 100? See, it kind of gets exponential. And then... They don't have the resources, okay? They just simply don't have the resources. They are not as powerful, okay, as they, well, as people, uh, you know, give them credit for. Because they're morons, too, okay? So, I mean, that's kind of a, that kind of works in our favor, is that they're morons as well. We just have to get prepared, folks. Uh, I recommend people keep uh, three to four months supply food and water on hand, on hand, keep some cash on hand. I know it's fiat currency, but keep some on hand. Keep small bills and nickels and dimes, coinage, and buy gold and silver. Silver's cheap, buy it. Buy silver eagles, buy one a month, buy two a month. You can buy fractional uh, gold, buy 10th ounce gold. It's cheap, I do it. You need to have these things. You also need to have guns and you need to have ammunition. Buy a reloading press, learn how to reload. Pay attention to what's going on. Let them know that you're paying attention. If they know we're paying attention, then they will change. But they're not going to change until they know that enough of us are paying attention. When it's only, you know, a small, uh, uh, you know, fraction of the populace that is paying attention, man, they're running circles around us, okay? And I don't like it. I don't like it. That's not what, that's not what I thought, you know, being an American was all about. Okay, that's not why I served in the military. I, I don't like, you know, getting circles run around me while my neighbors and, 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 and people around me are just oblivious to everything that's going on. Because 
it, it makes me, I don't know, it kind of makes me look at them less. It makes me kind of angry with them saying, what is the problem with you? Don't you see what's going on? So anyway, folks, it's getting towards the end of the show. And I thank you all for listening. I hope I didn't go on too much or rant uh, too much. Uh, and quickly, there's a whole bunch of good programming still to come on this network. I really hope that you stick around and listen to it. I thank you uh, for listening. And until next week, I'm your host, Jay Shanahan, and this has been the Condition Critical Hour. I'll see you next week. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom As men get older, they are subject to hormone imbalance. And when this happens, men can experience osteoporosis, memory loss, irritability, blood sugar imbalance, weight gain, enlarged prostate, erectile dysfunction, and risk of stroke. The human endocrine system manufactures hormones. Why not feed your system plant nutrition to make the hormones that are right for you? For centuries, these herbs have been used to balance the male hormone system. Men, you've waited long enough for the male hormone formula. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 for the male hormone formula. 866-229-3663 or online at thepowerherbs.com. 866-229-3663 where your healthcare options just became endless. If you have
have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Live. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. Ooh, we're here to empower you. That's what we're going to do here on Herb Talk. Magical engineer Frank and I, ready to roll. Thanks for joining us on American Voice Radio. We are going to be talking about um, minerals. You know, minerals matter for us staying healthy and well, so we're going to cover that. Also, uh, we may have time to fit in uh, uh, headache, migraine headaches today, and maybe um, some liquid fuel. We have time. Uh, we got lots to talk about and a quack report. But before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform, lifting them up in prayer always. And uh, seeking the Lord's face, mind the time, you know, hitting those knees because you never waste any of your precious time when you're talking with the Lord. And um, I love Isaiah 66 because he says, uh, your bones shall flourish like an herb. Ooh, I like that. And, uh, you know, so also you can find in Psalms and Proverbs kind of stuff like the righteous will flourish like palm trees and all that stuff. Love palm trees. I'm a beach babe. I love the beach. Love herbs. So it goes, it works for me. It really does. But, you know, you know, it, basically God is our hope. It's our anchor to our soul. And so it keeps us sure, steadfast. You know, we, 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 we get a backbone when we we stand with the Lord. So let's do that. Seek the Lord's face, mind time. Let's pray for righteousness in this land. That's what we need. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. All righty, what do we got in the quack report? Hmm. Apparently, according to some new research, uh, drug manufacturers, the data that they list on side effects, side effects of their drugs is poor quality, according to this recent report. They say that uh, medications, you know, come with lots of side effects, uh, but now this report says that many of these drugs with the side effects, um, the, some of the information is lacking. In other words, uh, information on the package may not be painting a full picture 
for the consumer. So details are um, on this were published in the Institute of Safe Medication Practices, their report. Uh, they said where they noted about half of the side effect reports that they get that submitted by manufacturers meet basic standards for compliance. But Thomas Moore, he's the senior scientist there at the Institute, he says a lot of these reports are below average uh, from the drug manufacturers. So he says that that's pretty troubling. Um, he says uh, these manufacturers are not producing high-quality reports especially with generic drugs like far, far Pharmaceutical, along with Cubist Pharmaceuticals, and it was, was recently bought by Merck, they found that they performed significantly below average in their reporting. And according to Mr. Moore, he said, you know, it's feasible to do a reasonably complete report. He says, therefore, when we get these poor quality reports, it's because of lack of due diligence from the manufacturer. Well, that's upsetting. Well, I don't know why they're upset. You know, what are they not telling you? <laughs> All right, last but not least in the crack report, um, they say some people age three times faster than others, according to this new scientific study out of New Zealand. This is interesting. Some U.S. scientists along with some New Zealand scientists, they, they wanted to find out, you know, how people sometimes age faster than others. So they drew up a panel of 18 measurements to determine the speed in which people age. So they would include things like uh, kidney tests, uh, liver tests, uh, immune system function, uh, a metabolism assessment, cholesterol, and uh, your heart health, for, um, for instance. They also measured the length of telomeres, which is the protective cap on your chromosomes. So they, they took almost 1,000 participants. That, um, that enrolled in what they called the Dundon study, the Dundian study. And uh, so uh, it was uh, New, Zealand, New Zealanders that were born between 1972 and 1973, and they followed them through to almost 40 years of age. So um, they used their markers, their 18 biomarkers, and so they checked their volunteers at age 26 and then again at age 32 and then finally at age 38. And then they took all those combined measurements, and it allowed the scientists to have this picture of how an individual's uh, aging is paced. So they said for the most of the participants, out of almost 1,000 people, their chrono chronological age and their biological age matched up. They were at the same pace. Uh, but they said some, they found, had bodies that aged as fast as three years for every chronological year. Uh, in other words, biologically, they age three times faster, while others, they had zero years of aging, so they, they were biologically, chronologically not the same. Now, participants with oh, the more advanced biological aging scores, they said they did much worse on tests for balance, coordination, solving problems, and uh, they also said that uh, they would have difficulty things like walking upstairs, and um, and they had difficulty undertaking physical tests other than walking upstairs. And they also said their faces seemed older. Those are the ones that were aging three times faster biologically. I'm like, okay. And I noticed that one of the things that makes people um, slow the aging process biologically 
is obviously diet, but also exercise. You put those two together, and people look younger longer. So uh, FYI there on that. And that wraps the quack report. Thanks, Frank. All righty, we're going to talk about uh, minerals because they matter when it comes to our health. Because, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, important things like protein and vitamins and antioxidants. You know, they're all good for our health. But sometimes we don't hear as much as about the important, how important minerals are. So without the proper minerals, uh, we can experience imbalances and malfunction anywhere in our body. So the cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, muscular, skeletal, immune system, hormonal system, and our nervous system all rely on minerals to function. And one major important fact to remember is if you intend to beef up on your minerals, you want to be aware that they like to work synergistically with other minerals and nutrients. So when minerals are taken in supplement megadoses, uh, we tend to create an imbalance and a deficiency. So uh, a good example would be a mineral imbalance is um, from psychological malfunction, which affects neurotransmitters and hormones. And a lot of times, you know, people are put on those psychotrophic drugs, and uh, sometimes that makes the imbalance worse. Now, one major way to deplete your minerals other than poor diet is relying on prescription medicines. So we're going to take a look at how we can improve our overall well-being with organic minerals. And maybe those folks in that, um, you know, New Zealand study, maybe they were low in minerals and they were aging faster. All right, let's talk about some uh, drugs and the minerals because, as mentioned, prescription drugs can deplete the system of important minerals which support the metabolism. So before you know it, you can have a myriad of health problems such as a leaky gut or depression. So drugs are not meant to be used long-term or we can run into the risk of mineral depletion and malabsorption issues. So uh, here's an example of what can happen when we're using drugs. This is a quote from a natural doctor, Gloria Gillibray. She says this, After my life-threatening accident, the prescription drugs that saved my life almost took it and left me with multiple chemical sensitivities, leaky gut syndrome, fibromyalgia, and chronic fatigue. Whatever I consume, whenever I consumed a mineral or a calcium replacement, my right eye would flutter or twitch to the point where it caused me great concern, not to mention an annoyance. So I had developed malabsorption from a damaged intestinal tract caused the leaky gut syndrome and clinically known as intestinal, intestinal permeability. So my body was not able to utilize supplements and I was storing them in unsafe amounts also contributing to the leg cramps and widespread muscle pain end of quote so she was on a perpetual hamster wheel you know after she got stabilized from her accident with the drugs um, they 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 caused some you know residual side effects for her um, here's a quote from author and medical doctor Hala Cass, who um, she's the author of the book Supplement Your Prescription, What Your Doctor Doesn't Know About Nutrition. She says, the truth is that every medication, including over-the-counter drugs, depletes your body of specific vital nutrients, end of quote. 
Well, according to Dr. Cass, uh, the mag- the drugs most Americans take that cause significant nutrition depletion are your blood pressure meds, the beta blockers, diuretics, drugs for congestive heart failure, cholesterol statin drugs, antacids or acid blocker, proton pump inhibitors, um, antihistamines, diabetic drugs, antidepressants, hormone replacement medications, and antibiotics. Mm, quite a list. Well, let's look at the nervous system for a minute and how reliant the nervous system is for on minerals. Minerals assist the central nervous system in relaying signals and improving conductivity of signals throughout your body. So when patients are on, like, chemotherapy, they experience that brain fog. So it must be due to the massive mineral depletion and the blocked mineral absorption from the treatment. Without the proper mineral content, there is a blockage between minerals, electrolytes, and electrical charges in the nervous system for proper nerve impulses. Well, here's a quote from Dr. David Watts who says, Minerals are the spark plugs of life because they are required to activate hundreds of enzyme reactions within the body. Plants manufacture vitamins and minerals are taken up from the soil. End of quote. Well, let's look at the big four. I know there's lots of minerals we can talk about. We're going to talk about the big four today. Uh, The minerals most of us are familiar with are calcium, phosphorus, potassium, and sodium. So our bodies require that we maintain several pounds of these minerals for proper function. So let's talk about calcium because it's necessary, of course, for bone health and, of course, for all the connective tissue, you know, your tendons, ligaments, muscles, and even skin. And calcium helps to transmit nerve impulses and muscle cramps can occur when there's a lack of adequate calcium. Organic calcium will also help with the absorption of other nutrients with, you know, blood clots. It will help with that. And it also helps the heart muscle. Now, some diets can actually push up a phosphorus level too high and prevent normal calcium levels. So you want to prevent that problem. So you can do that by avoiding soda, which elevates uh, the phosphorus level, and also diets with lots of meats and food additives and preservatives. Well, let's look at that phosphorus for a minute because we find in our bones, our teeth, and even our blood, we find phosphorus there as well as in our cells. So our body has to have phosphorus to carry out many metabolism functions, such as dealing with fat and protein and carbohydrates. So this all works out to supplying the body with the proper energy and the regulation and storage of nutrition for your muscles, hormones, and nerve impulses. So without phosphorus, your body is really going to have a difficult time using vitamin B and also maintaining the proper pH in your system. So these tend to counter-regulate one another. The calcium and phosphorus are needed in, they need to be in a healthy balance because they, they influence each other. So if you analyze bone material from humans, you're going to find a ratio that is two parts calcium and one part phosphorus. Now, vegetables and herbs, which have these elements, will be in that perfect balance. So an imbalance of these two minerals creates weak bones. Well, let's go move on to potassium and sodium because it's necessary. These are necessary to help prevent a buildup of waste material in the system This is also going to help control acids and protect your pH level. So processed foods have been 
stripped away of many of their nutrients in order to extend their shelf life. But unfortunately, devitalized foods like that don't extend your life. So the body requires 10 times more potassium than sodium. And chemical supplements usually don't provide proper nutrient ratios. So if we are low on potassium or sodium, we can have edema or dehydration. We could have heart failure, fatigue, weak immune systems, brittle bones, high blood pressure, muscle pain, weakness, and cancer. All right, let's let's uh, talk about some of the minerals that we our body needs for us to have energy, because our body has to have a minimum of these three minerals in order for the body to feel energized. And those are zinc, selenium, and iodine. So these three have a role to play in, sec- in securing a healthy functioning thyroid gland. So if you have an abundance of these minerals, there's very little need for you to have caffeine or energy drinks. Well, let's look at the general guideline. Well, there are really too many junk supplements on the market to mention, but you will know if your supplement is working because there are some familiar symptoms of mineral deficiencies, such as you may have concentration problems, memory problems, muscle cramps, allergies, chemical sensitivities, frequent colds and flu, and improper muscle movement. So when you do your organ cleansing, it's going to be important that you refortify your body with a whole food supplement as you can lose some of this vitamin and mineral content when you cleanse to remove your toxins. So keep that in mind. And, you know, whole food is going to be your best bet. Um, when you get your minerals in whole foods or whole food supplements, you, you were, you're going to be getting a 100% bioavailable substance. And uh, that means it's going to be in a proper balance. Now, some people call this whole food matrix of nutrition. So with your whole food sources, you're also going to get the proper percentage of those nutrients, like you're going to get the proper amount of magnesium, copper, zinc, iron, chromium, selenium, silicon, and boron, just to name a few. So this means you're going to, you will not require megadoses in order to acquire proper mineral balance in the system. So the chemical mineral supplements that are made from petrochemicals are these isolated nutrients, and they recommend that they, you use those in megadoses because they try to mimic the action of the organic mineral, and they can't always get it just right. However, when you use organic whole food versions in your foods and your, and your herbs, you're going to get all those nutrient minerals in the proper balance because, you know, that's the way God made them. They're just perfect the way they are. So get certified organic whole food supplements if you can, and you're going to have the proper absorption and utilization of those mineral elements uh, that only nature can provide you. So the risk is going to be high that when you use your chemical supplements, a mineral imbalance will be quickly achieved. Okay, a lot of doctors already have told us that, and we've mentioned that on the, the air here. So where do you go? Well, People are bombarded with a lot of advertising for lots of supplement products, and it can, you know, be a lot of work to find the right ones. So if the product is made from organic foods and are not chemical derivatives or isolated nutrient chemicals, then you're going to do much better when you have them in a natural set. So they will have, 
instead of the chemical isolated ones, you're going to have whole food ones that have all the minerals working together synergistically. They're going to have, um, when you use those kind, you're going to have an uptake that's quicker. Uh, you're going to have a natural original mineral source or complex source. And you're going to actually be amazed at the difference between your, how your body responds very quickly to a whole food nutrition versus the chemical ones. So I found that when I eat organic foods, it makes a big difference. And then I also found when I use whole food supplements, it makes an even bigger difference. So those two together, you use your supplements when you, you need to. You may not have to use them all the time if you're eating well. But they're definitely not going to have side effects, and they're not going to have to be used in mega dose amounts. So if you're looking for some whole food supplements to help you with your minerals, uh, you might want to call Apothecary Herbs. Ask them about their Body Foundation food mix. It's a plant powdered mix, but it has the minerals, the vitamins, the amino acids, and plant proteins that you find in nature because these are all in plants. Nothing is separated or isolated out. Also, you want to check out their calcium liquid plant formula, their heart formula, and, of course, they do have Celtic sea salt, which is a sun-dried salt where all the 84 natural microminerals are intact. So it's a, it's a salt that won't create a hypertension issue. So you can check that out as well. So if you're interested, give them a call right now and ask for a free product catalog. That number is 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663. Of course, if you're outside the U.S., dial 704-885-0277, 704-885-0277 is the international number. Or you can go on their website, thepowerherbs.com, thepowerherbs.com. Um, yeah, if you're serious about herbs, you need apothecary herbs. You might want to check out their herb coupons button, and you can save on your order on the top home left-hand side of the homepage. And uh, they do have a rewards point program, too, that you can uh, sign up for when you register at checkout. So each time you purchase, you'll get points you can redeem for savings as well. And um, I also encourage folks to sign up for their free online newsletters. We do have the American Survival that goes out on Tuesdays, and you'll get uh, financial data, you'll get health information, um, you'll get a, a lot of a smattering of things in there, um, gold and silver updates and things like that. And if you just want the health information, that would be the HealthQuest newsletter. That goes out on Friday. So you can sign up. They're both free, and they empower you with healthy information each and every week. Check that out. All right, we're going to be talking about headaches. Uh, <clears throat> we've talked about them before on the show. People tend to have migraine he headaches, but we're going to talk about this one doctor that discovered herbs that work. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing when the docs say, hey, the herbs work better than the drugs. Well, um, you know, uh, we just had June last month, and June is really the Migraine Headache Awareness Month. Uh, about 45 million Americans, um, that's one in six people, you know, have, they suffer from headaches, especially the migraine kind of headaches. Uh, a lot of people have chronic headaches. 37 million have chronic headaches. So there are different kinds of headaches. Um, there's stress, tension, uh, vascular, there's all kinds of, and they affect us differently. And they have different symptoms. So um, we talk about headaches from time to time here on the show, and we try to help people figure out a way of um, naturally dealing with this in a more beneficial, safe, and healthy way, um, like, you know, identifying trigger foods and avoiding those 
and um, and some herbs they may haven't tried yet. So they don't have to rely on such strong chemical drugs that eventually don't work, and then they're in a pickle. I used to work for a neurologist, and when those headache meds stopped working, it was total chaos for the patient. So I'd rather that not happen to you out there if you're a headache sufferer. So let's talk about what we can do. Because we don't want to have a headache to ruin our day. Um, and usually a medical doctor's advice uh, is to use some medications or over-the-counter prescriptions when it comes to treating headaches. But there are millions of people who want to avoid these drugs for treating their headaches. Um, now, medical physicians recently in the field, in the field of head pain have uh, come out and said, you know, uh, some natural therapies tend to work better than the drugs for headaches, especially over time. So we're going to take a look and see what they've come up with uh, considering the treatment for headaches and why they say this. Well, let's talk about the study um, on this headache. It was by Dr. Roger Cady. Um, he is an expert on headache pain. He's the director of the Headache Care Center in Springville, Missouri. And um, he and a bunch of medical doctors are now saying that the over-the-counter and prescribed medications can only lessen pain temporarily and can make headache pain worse eventually if used long-term. It creates what is called a rebound effect. So these types of drugs may be helpful for a quick fix in the short-term basis, but further investigation has shown them that um, you know down the road it doesn't do the patient any favors. So according to the research, the pharmaceutical drugs are ineffective in one-third of headache patients. So what Dr. Caddy learned is that frustrated and hurting patients are turning to natural medicines and other therapies for relief. And what they find is when they have repeated use of these natural therapies on a continued basis, what happens over time is the headache pain lessens in severity and it's more manageable. And in some cases, patients also modified their lifestyle, removed a lot of headache triggers, and along with their natural medicines over time became headache-free. So a um, number of small studies have also proved that a lot of nutritional uh, elements in the diet can actually wipe out headache pain altogether. How about that? Bet you it has something to do with minerals, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the herbs, um, lots of herbs, and we're going to talk about um, what chemists are saying, chemically, how this is working out, you know, scientifically, got to prove it to me. Uh, that's how they are. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about, you know, your cluster headaches and some triggers there, and, you know, and what about that ice cream headache? What's with that, right? <laughs> Ever get one of those? I don't need ice cream anymore, but, you know, uh, when I drink something really cold, mm -mm, can get one of those little pingy headaches in the head there, and it's really not fun. <laughs> So we're going to talk about that. But I know we got to take a break, so we'll cover all that good stuff and more when we get back. I guess my engineer is ready to roll, correct? And there it is. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
pumping life into the original medicine. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back. Is your PSA count high? Half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate. You can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call Apothecary Herbs to ask about the Prostate Kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate glands. Call Apothecary Herbs for the Prostate Kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the Prostate Kit and empower yourself. Toll free, 866-229-3663 or international callers, 704-875-8010. That's toll free, 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. Leaping tall buildings with a single bound? Faster than a locomotive? Whoa! Find the Superman in you. Listen to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704 704- 875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Thank you. 
Nerd Talk. I'm your herbalist, Bunny Wilson. Now we're talking about headaches and, and these doctors that have come out now and have said, you know, some natural stuff, some herbs and therapies and dietary changes work better than the headache meds. Well, let's look at these, some of these herbs, you know, because we hear about some herbs for headaches like feverfew and ginger root. Um, I'm a big believer in combining herbs for this synergistic effect, more power, if you will. Well, what Dr. Katie discovered in his research is that the use of feverfew with ginger root reduced migraine headaches by 63%. So the ginger root helps with the nausea the headache produces for patients. And uh, the medical doctors are trying to discover, you know, in these cases where these headaches and this pain, how these herbs are reducing the pain. Uh, They think they're reducing the inflammation uh, also without any side effects or rebound effects. You know, blood brings healing, reduce inflammation, blood can get in there. So why are the herbs better? Uh, well, herbs contain a lot of natural nutrients, uh, minerals like magnesium to help calm nerve endings, and uh, very beneficial for migraine sufferers, you know, if you've got, you know, a vascular headache problem. So using natural magnesium sources will always have um, you know, other uptake mineral requirements with it. I'm talking about natural ones, not synthetic chemical isolated nutrients, okay? So when you have the natural magnesium in elements like herbs and foods, it's going to have other uptake nutrients with it and so that the body can properly absorb and metabolize it and use it. So natural nutrients also have things like vitamin B2, extremely helpful at clearing away a headache. However, there also is a problem with uh, some of this headache research where, you know, they say that herbs don't make um, medical doctors or clinics rich. That's a problem. Oh, dear. Uh, Well, at the same time, patients are reluctant to try pharmaceutical drugs because of the cost and side effects. You know? I know that $25 million facility you just built to uh, produce a new headache drug, oh, well. Well, let's talk about some of the um, chemists, what do they say? Well, uh, white coats, what are they doing in the chemists? Well, they're attempting to design some new drugs to promote them as natural herbal or vitamin therapies. Did you hear that? So it's not really natural, but they're going to promote it like that. Doctors are partnering up with some companies to make and promote some natural products under their patents. Really, then it's not natural anymore, is it? Uh, Everybody knows you can't patent what God made. You can't steal God's copyright. That's not happening. So these are not natural. These are drugs. So one way you can uh, tell is um, they've altered the natural source. They've isolated a component from a natural source, and and, uh, and they attempt to make it stronger, more powerful. It's what they did to aspirin making it ace-tisalicylic acid. That's what they did with uh, that. Well, what Dr. Candy and his team are doing is they're trying to promote this liquid. Uh, It's called Lipgesic-M, and they call it a homeopathic liquid, and they say it's made from the essence of the feverfew herb. Now, if you know anything about that, it's a distillation of the herb, so it's heated. Uh, they're also uh, including ginger, and their ratio is a 3 to 2 ratio, so three times the amount of fever, fever few 
to the ginger. So the homeopathic products are distillation versions of the natural element. So they're heated, and then they say the medicinal power is um, in the liquid that's distilled off, but it's severely reduced, okay? Heat lowers the medicinal power. So this product really isn't just the essence of the herbs. It's also going to contain uh, colloidal silicon dioxide, and they're going to throw in some natural peppermint flavor. Uh, from And when they say that natural peppermint flavor, beware. If it says N period F after that peppermint, it means it's from the national formulary. Um, so it's, it's a chemical copycat of peppermint. They're also going to include a little bit of, um, you know, uh, olive oil in there. Uh, and those that are unfamiliar with silicon dioxide, it's sand or quartz. And the pharmaceutical industry will use silicon dioxide, also known as colloidal silicon dioxide, in tablets and drug making. It's an anti-caking agent. And the FDA says it's safe. So you can find uh, ingredients in um, anacetaminophen products and prednisone. You're going to find that anti-caking agent of um, silicon dioxide there. So what about the natural peppermint flavor? Well, it can be organic, but if it's if it's going to have those initials after, it's pretty much going to be a synthetic. Anytime you see natural flavor listed, it's really a clue to be suspicious. So why not just list peppermint? People know what peppermint is. Natural peppermint is just natural peppermint, okay? So um, why do you have to... Why do you have to put, you know, a natural flavor with it? Well, they do that to, to, to say it's not an organic ingredient anymore. Whenever you see natural flavor, um, so it, it's, it's, it's a red flag. It's an alert that it's a chemical copycat. So the food and, food and drug industry can actually conceal a lot of these chemical additives by using the word natural flavor. So the science of the chemical industry is that you can combine chemical A with chemical B and voila, you've created peppermint flavoring. So some of the largest industries produce products with flavor enhancers made from synthetic chemicals or even from animal and human tissue. So these are chemical ingredients which are extracted and prepared with heat. Needless to say, the flavor chemists have attempted to take nearly every natural flavor found in organic foods and dissected and vaporized them to break them down chemically in order to reproduce cheap copies of inorganic compounds called natural flavoring. Hmm? Uh, well, uh, let's see, Johann Wolfgang, he's a German poet, he said, one must ask children and birds how strawberries taste. Because apparently us adults forgot. Yeah. Okay, so you want to beware. Sometimes the consumer needs to be real careful when they investigate natural or organic products because the words natural and organic are the most abused words now in the marketplace. So you want to do your homework on your on those products as well as your prescription drugs, over-the-counter products, uh, anything you buy. Okay. Well, I had um, I had some time to conduct my own little study, and I compared Dr. Katie's homeopathic lip M with real full strength organic ginger root and fever few. Okay, made it made a tincture. 
So I would expect the potency of the tincture would be kind of off the charts compared to the weak homeopathic formula, formula Dr. Caddy created. And I also suspect that Dr. Caddy's product was also prepared in accordance with the U.S. Pharmacopeia, which uh, recommends very weak formula ratios. Okay? All right, let's look at the most common headache. Experts say that the most common headache is tension headache, which produces this dull aching pressure, often appearing after a stressful work day or school day or after some emotional stress. Some uh, describe the tension headache as having their head in a vice uh, and, it's, and the pains on both sides of their head. Tension of the upper neck, shoulder area, and the scalp can also produce pain. So muscle spasms may also be present with severe tension headaches and, um, and it can make a person nauseated and have no appetite. Then there's the cluster headaches. Uh, characteristic of cluster headaches is this deep stabbing pain near the temple or the eye area. And cluster headaches sometimes give the individual a stuffy or runny nose, tearing red eyes with a droopy eyelid. So these headaches last about 30 to 60 minutes. Often they disrupt the person's sleep and occur several times a day in a cluster. Sometimes cluster headaches can last for days or months and then go away again for weeks, months, or years, and then come back. So more men than women tend to experience this type of headache. Of course, the last one is the migraine headache, also known as the vascular headache. Uh, most experts agree that this is the worst of all the headaches, is the migraine. usually occurs repeatedly, and 60% of the time the pain is on one side of the brain. About 80% of the migraines bring on nausea and 30% experience vomiting and sensitivity to light and sound. So the pain is characterized by this throbbing or piercing pain and 10% of the individuals experience visual disturbance about 30 minutes before the onset of the pain. More women, about 25%, and men, 8%, experience migraines, especially between the ages of 15 to 44 and you can have, they can have several migraines per month. So half of the individuals will get a migraine before they're 20, and one-third begin having migraines as teenagers. About 1.5% start having migraines before the age of 5. So children who get migraines can have pain on both sides, and migraines typically last 24 hours. Hormone changes in estrogen and progesterone can trigger migraine headaches, although medicine doesn't know why. So this explains why women may experience these migraines maybe just before menstruational cycles or when pregnant or during menopause. All right, let's look at some triggers really quick. Um, some triggers, you know, beyond our control could be weather changes, bright lights, strong odors, um, females' menstrual cycles could set off some headaches. But then there is our diet and food that, is most significant that can provoke a headache, well, we do have control over that. Dr. David, um, uh, it's Bolt Holtz of the Neurological Consultation Clinic at John Hopkins University Hospital says that we can avoid a lot of um, food combinations that overwhelm the brain's regulatory mechanism. For instance, he said red wine alone may not trigger a headache, but you mix it with blue cheese or with a lot of stress, you can develop a migraine. So one piece of chocolate may not seem to set off a headache, but a whole candy bar or a box of chocolate can. 
So also he says be aware that headache may not kick in right away. There could be a delayed factor of a day later. So keep a food journal and write down and try to pinpoint some of your offending foods. So here are some foods you might want to avoid. Foods that contain triamines or uh, amino enzymes uh, are things like nitrate, which trigger neural and blood vessel changes, creating headaches. So chocolate, cola drinks, that's your soda, aged cheese, cottage cheese, beer, all contain triamines. Other foods are going to be avocados and overripe fruit or dried overripe fruit. You know, if you eat trail mix, for instance. How about eggplant, figs, grapes, oranges, pineapple, plums, prunes, and raisins can all trigger headaches for people. Processed foods also contain high triamine and nitrate levels. And also be aware that the Australian uh, specialty um, uh, product called Vegemite um, can also trigger headaches at high triamine and nitrate levels. Also, sauerkraut and shrimp paste can also trigger a headache. Um, so, you know, if you're at parties and stuff, especially around the holidays, it's really hard to know what it is that you're having a lot of time and you can get a headache. Now, there are some meats that you might want to avoid. Processed meats, pickled and cured meats, game, birds, and wild animals all contain that high triamine. Uh, stay away from fermented soy products such as soy sauce, tofu, misu, teriyaki sauce, that kind of thing. So if you overdo eating nuts like peanuts, coconut, Brazilian nuts, these also can trigger a hypertension or a tension headache. Yeast or sourdough are also be known as trigger foods. And here's some vegetables that could be a problem for some people. Lima beans, broad beans, navy beans, pea pods, onions, fava beans, and also any product with aspartame can trigger headaches. Now, Dr. Joel Saper of the Michigan State University Neurological Institute says that milk is a major food trigger for migraine headaches. However, Dr. Bolts believes that the biggest trigger is caffeine. So be aware that some foods with no reputation as a trigger, like cinnamon, can be a headache uh, uh, trigger food. So you want to keep that food journal and see what your brain's not liking. Okay, that's the only indicator I can tell you in case, you know, you didn't hear what was on the list there. Let's talk about that ice cream headache. Uh, you know, if you drink or eat something really, really cold, it creates that temporary sharp pain in your forehead area known as the ice cream headache. And it doesn't last long, but how does it do that? Well, Dr. Safer says that it's due to the cold contact on the roof of your mouth that stimulates the fifth cranial nerve that runs from the mouth surface to your brain. So this nerve is the main carrier for headache pain. So according to a British study, if you're drinking or eating something cold, it can trigger a headache in 46% of people that suffer from headaches. So eating cold things slowly can help avoid this trigger. Um, there are some antidote foods. All right. Science is, uh, is looking at some of these headache uh, antidote foods because they help with the blood vessels that were related to influencing headaches, and with inflammation. So certain foods can help counteract this pain, and they offer a postagulin um, advantage to neutralize this. Foods like fish oil and ginger root have been helpful. So 
So Dr. James Brenneman, he's a food and allergy expert. He says that three-fourths of all headaches are food-related, and people who restrict their use of trigger foods can cut their headaches by about 85%. Now, Denmark also discovered a centuries-old antidote for headaches and nausea and nervous disorders. Dr. Christina Servisteva of the Odense University tested ginger root, and it found that it worked like aspirin on migraine headaches. She said ginger, they found, affected the postagulins, which is a hormone substance that helps control inflammation, and histamine and pain. So ginger root, she said, actually blocks the postagulins, which reduces the inflammation and the pain. So at the first sign of headache or a visual disturbance, if you get those migraines, uh, their test group took ginger root, about a third of a teaspoon, three to four times a day, and it had significant benefits, she said. She said that the study concluded that both adults or children had safely used the ginger, and it prevented the headache from coming on. So at the first you know, feeling that you may be getting a headache, you know, the ginger root is uh, in order, she says. So other things that set off headaches, she says, is um, uh, foods Foods can uh, give you a tightness in the neck, shoulder, and back muscles. Um, and she said certain drugs, too, can also cause you to strain, cough, and sneeze and give you eye strain. Um, she said also smoke and chemical fumes and medical procedures like a spinal tap or a dental procedure can, or, or even grinding your teeth can also be something that could, you know, affect your neurotransmitters in your brain chemicals and give you a headache. Well, um, the folks at Apothecary Herbs recently came out with three new headache formulas, um, and uh, they have ginger root in there, and some of, and some of them have feverfew, some of them have um, ginkgo, some of them have skullcap. It just depends. So they've got a stress headache formula, a tension headache formula, and a vascular or migraine headache formula. And you can check them out on their website under the pain category at thepowerherbs.com. And these are liquids, so you can take that quarter teaspoon and uh, and watch your food triggers. And uh, this could be the answer you've been looking for if you want to get off those uh, medications that eventually in the end, because I used to work for a neurologist, they do not work. Okay, and people with excruciating headache pain uh, get desperate, and we don't want you to have to go there. So uh, if you're looking at the stress headache, among some of the herbs in that formula, they do have the valerian, the skullcap, and they have some California poppy in there. Uh, for the tension headache, they do have the ginger, the feverfew, the ginkgo leaf, yucca root, and valerian as well. Valerian's really good at taking tension off the nervous system, uh, and this does not sedate you. Okay, so there's no sedation effect. Now, the migraine formula, the vascular formula, has also the ginger root in it with the feverfew, some lavender and valerian roots. So very good formulas. You can check them out online at thepowerherbs.com, and they're not going to break the bank either. So check those when you can and uh, feel better out there, right? Um, now, if you, if you need some mineral support, you know, if the migraine is being because you don't have the right minerals, well, of course, you know about the Body Foundation Food Mix that's also there on their website. And um, they do have ginger root tincture. If you want to just get a separate bottle of that, um, 
that's an awesome thing to have. That'll be under their herbal tinctures category or under their digestive aid section. So you check that out. And uh, they do have herbs for female cycle balancing to make a smooth transition through each of your menstrual cycles. Uh, they do have uh, female formulas for a smooth transition through menopause. So there's lots of things you can do with some of these medicinal herbs that our creator God put here for us because he said herbs are here for the service of man. And they are meat, so they're really potent, they're powerful. And with the right tool and the right information, you can, um, well, you can be more powerful than you ever thought. So uh, check that out, thepowerherbs.com. You can get there typing in herbtalklive.com as well. And uh, if you're on the website, don't forget, sign up for the newsletters under their books and newsletters tab. So you can go there and uh, sign up for the American Survival Newsletter that goes out today on Tuesday. Or you can sign up for the HealthQuest, which goes out on Fridays, and lots of empowering information for you all there. Um, also, I should uh, mention that um, we're still working on getting the um, new formats for the Power Herbs book up on our website. We had hoped to have that done before the 4th of July, but it just didn't work out. Uh, so we have the Kindle format for that book and the iPad or the EPUB formats for that book that are going to be coming soon. Hopefully this week, we hope to get them up there uh, for your download and uh, use. It's a 270-page book, and it has uh, herb symptom reference guides. It helps you um, boost immune system. talks about how you do the cleansing of your organs, detox, and also how to make your own herbal tinctures is in there. So it's called the Power Herbs Book, and it's just $14.99, but it's an e-book. Okay, it's not in hard copy. Um, but we're working, and we appreciate your patience because we thought for sure it would have been up there by now. But uh, as it was, things didn't work out around the holiday, so we're working this week to do that. So um, if you've been thinking about buying it, just patience and just check back with us, please. Uh, thepowerherbs.com is a book that I wrote. Herbs are just, you know, they're timeless. And, uh, and there's 13 herbs in that book that you can use and won't get you into too much trouble even if you are taking other products, uh, prescriptions, and so forth. So it's a good place to start where you can feel more confident about, you know, using and utilizing herbs to improve your health and your lifestyle and, and, and your energy level and so forth. So it's, 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 a, good, it's a good confidence booster uh, type of book, and you learn a lot. You can learn about what we call um, combination therapies. Because I've learned that when you get a real health issue that's really um, stubborn to leave, uh, a lot of times it's a combination of things that, that get you over the hump. So we talk about that in the book and how you can utilize that. Uh, there's some natural therapies that you can put together and use in that book that are, that are really neat that come out of some really, uh, well, European spas and stuff that they've been using for centuries that are awesome. So check it out, the Power Herbs book. It's an ebook, and it's just $14.99 at thepowerherbs.com website. And of course, um, now let's say let's say you want this book, but you don't have email. Have no fear. We have lots of people like that. Um, you could just call me at the power at the at, or at apothecary herbs during the week, and we can uh, email it to your local print shop, and they can print it off for you. How about that? You can have a hard copy that way. Check that out. We aim to please. Absolutely. I'm out of time. Wow. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, 
treat serenity or disease, so seek medical advice if you dare from a licensed medical physician before using any product or therapy. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well. Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $140 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Good evening, folks, and welcome once again to another edition of the Covenanters Call radio broadcast. And I am Pastor Anthony Garissi, alongside of uh, Ecclesiastical Law Center staff, Pastor Dan Zyke. Tonight we are sitting here in place of Pastor Mike Hoover, who is um, he is on this grand adventure right now to discover his uh, ancestors, and while he's out there looking for where he came from, uh, we're sitting in for him, and um, and we're just thrilled to do it, folks. We're absolutely thrilled to be a part of this. Now, it, this is a Bible call-in program. I broadcast on Monday nights with the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcasts, and we have a call-in number as well. And, uh, you know, if you've got something related to the top of the hour, we let you call it in. Uh, on my father-in-law's show, this show, Covenanters Call, uh, he has a call-in number. And if you've got a Bible question, you've got a Bible question, you are welcome to call it in on this show. And uh, Pastor Dan Zyke will be glad to answer it. Now, here's the number. Right, you are, you, so, be, you are you are so kind. Yes, he he is he is more than happy to answer your Bible questions. Now here it is: one eight hundred nine three two one nine eight zero. That's one eight hundred nine three two one nine eight zero. If you want to know where Adam got his belly button, uh, where did Cain get his wife, um, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, whether or not Pastor Dan Zyke is true Israel. Um, you call it in tonight, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. All right? Now, if, if listen, we are not infallible. So here's our disclaimer. If we don't know, we're going to say we don't know. Uh, but I'm pretty certain Pastor Dan knows. I'm, I know. I, I, I know that Pastor Dan knows. And uh, he's going to have all the answers you need. Now, folks, you can also jump into the chat room 
I see everybody there. We see Frank. He is the man who pushes all the buttons and bells and whistles and makes this show possible. Uh, there's Irish88, who uh, broadcasted earlier today, from what I hear. So congratulations are in order. Uh, Taliano 2, that's me. Uh, Pastor Dan Zyke, that's, that's you, Pastor Dan. That's, that's then, me. That's right. You, folks, you can, if you've got a special question just for him and you don't want to say it on the air, text it into the chat room. He'll do his best to answer it. Then there's Spudman, there's Nunya, and there's 008KLM, because I wouldn't know how to pronounce that if we put it all together. There you go. But anyways, folks, 1-800-932-1980 is the call-in number, and you've got a Bible question tonight. You go ahead and give us a call. It's good to have along with us Pastor Dan Zyke. You are the pastor of the Opath Historic Baptist Church in Tualatin, Oregon. Uh, so you're in Frank's neck of the woods, so to speak. And uh, how's everything going? It's going really well. Thank you very much. It is. It's been extremely hot. I don't know if, what it's been like for Frank, but we are pushing uh, two weeks of 95-degree uh, weather. And uh, it's God, you know, God created the country where some states were hotter than others, and, and we moved to where we wanted to be. And uh, this, is, this, is not, this is not what we wanted to do. This is too hot for us. <laughs> well, I understand. This, this is hot. I understand. Now, I have yeah. been up there when it was 93 degrees, and I yeah. thought it was pretty hot. But you guys get pretty – you get humid, humidity up there? No, no, we don't get any humidity. So, it's, you know, it's, it's nice that way, but, but it's still hot either way. It's hot when you're used to 75-degree weather. Ah, I yeah. see, I see. So yeah. you guys have been pampered up there. Well, folks, he'll answer all of your questions, but I don't know. I mean, it's kind of soft if you're used to 75-degree weather out there, man. It's uh, – we're soft. I don't know what to expect, but uh, anyways, how's the church going? The church is going well. God's been good. We have, uh, I don't know if I mentioned since uh, we were on the uh, the air last time, I forget when I was on, but uh, the Lord's blessed us. We have a new building that we are currently renting from at the moment, and uh, the uh, the financial side of that has been a blessing. God answered prayer there, and uh, the folks have been uh, have been really well. God's been working we are in a specific area right up here where, where we have the opportunity of going and ministering in the ladies' correction facility. And up here at uh, the ladies' correction facility, there's, they house about 1,700 women. It's the only one in the entire state of Oregon. And, uh, and they have uh, – and so if any lady gets arrested and sentenced anywhere in the state, they should get sent here right to about – Oh, about four miles from our house. And so we go there. We have an opportunity. We can go there twice a week. We preach the gospel to them. We have a whole regular church service song, singing hymns, uh, announcements, uh, testimonies, messages, the whole works. Uh, the only thing we leave out is an offering plate. Amen. Uh, yeah, we just, we know, it'd be redundant to do that every week, but uh, we don't do it. Um, but we have a wonderful, wonderful time. Every week we are seeing ladies respond to the Lord. Every week we have ladies who are just in tears, um, starving for, uh, for God to do something in, in their life. And to a point, Anthony, it's, it's, like, it's like go, almost like going uh, on a mission trip to a third world country. You know, I, I talked about this in church the other day. We have, we have a, a, 
American Christianity to where we have no idea what it's like to completely trust in God. Right. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we're hungry. We're, we run down to McDonald's. Uh, we, uh, you know, we got a, uh, we got a, a pain. We, we run to the emergency room. We have a financial burden. We throw it on the American express, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really know what it's like to, to hit rock bottom. And we don't know what it's like to really depend on God. But these, these ladies in prison, they, they almost have that mentality of, of a third world country because they are stripped of everything. Sure. And, and they, you know, their, their whole life is, uh, is gone as they know it. And they have nothing to do all day long, uh, than to read their Bible if they so choose. And some of them do. And, um, they, they put, they put most Christianity or more, most Christians rather, myself included, uh, to shame, um, with, uh, some of the questions and some of the things that they, that they have and they bring up. Uh, but it is such a blessing. We have the opportunity, Lord willing, that one of them that we've been witnessing to, and uh, she's been coming to church the last two years that we've been going, um, Lord willing, she'll be released at the end of July, and she's planning on attending our services when oh, wow. she gets out. And so uh, be praying for her, if you would. But uh, That's that, fantastic. It is. It, it really is. It's the fruit of our labor and, uh, you know, uh, my wife is is a part of that, and she's able to uh, uh, to to either lead ladies to the Lord almost every week, or or to to help them with the assurance of their of their salvation. And uh, it's just such a blessing to see people, um, you know, to see people really desire to get into the Word of God, and they and they want God's help, and they see that they need God's help in their life, and and that's what I'm talking about with as far as uh, you know, the the American Christianity. We just we leave sure. God out of the majority of our life. If if it's not Sunday or Wednesday night, then you know God just stay away from us. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we we lose we lose that opportunity that says, hey, I need to, I have to trust God for my daily needs. You know, you bring up an interesting point, and uh, I cannot ignore this. I, I wanted to deal a little bit with uh, this this evening with um, that recent Supreme Court decision and how it's affecting our nation. And one of the things that uh, I see affecting us is um, because our perspective is so shallow, uh, Dan, it's so shallow, Mm -hmm. people automatically think, well, Christ has to be coming back now that the Supreme Court has made this ruling. And and I truly don't believe that's the case at all. No. Um, and and I, I do have a question I want to follow up that point with, but it, it, we're still living the high life. I mean, I, it's, it, forgive me for using that phraseology. Okay, I'm from the 80s, you know, all right, guys? So, uh, yeah, I, I heard, I've heard that so many times. But uh, the point is, is we're not that bad <laughs> off yet in this country. So no one really does have to trust God. And uh, when you see people in a situation like you're dealing with ministering to on a regular basis, it gives you a little bit of a deeper perspective. I mean, they, they're not sitting there thinking, well, you know, uh, w- life has literally gone to uh, the blazes because the Supreme Court has made this ruling. They're, they're not seeing that at all because they're not living the life that we're living. All we see yeah. as Christians is they've made a decision that – we disagree with, so Jesus must be coming back now. <laughs> and exactly. that's really how shallow we are. Well, the yeah. government just made a decision that we disagree with. 
You know, we so didn't like, we didn't approve of that. <laughs> uh, that's what they thought forty years ago with the Roe uh, Ro versus Wade. Uh, that, sure. Uh, you know, here we here who would have who would have ever thought that our country would have legalized abortion, and uh, we you know we're at the end of we're at the end of end of Christianity as we know it, and God's bound to come back and not allow this to happen much right. longer. We're looking forty years later, um, you know, generation a gener- generation ago, and and uh, we're we're still going on. God's still on the throne, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, Planned Parenthood kills more babies and more. Uh, you know, every every year than any any anybody else does. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I think somebody actually said somebody sent me an email on that. If Dylan Roof really, uh, Melissa Roxanne Roxanne's in the chat room now. She's uh, by the way, she broadcasts uh, in the evenings with New World Order Info. She comes right after our show on Monday nights. But uh, she mentioned Dylan Roof as a false flag and uh, what have you. But I got an email. It was I thought it was funny. If he really wanted to kill black people, he could have just joined Planned Parenthood, and he'd have, he'd have made more of a dent than mm-hmm. uh, than going into a church and shooting up a few folks. If that's what really happened, but I just it uh, it it really strikes me funny how how Christians are. You, you go back to World War II. Um, I actually have a book uh, that, and I, I'll have to pull it back out sometime. It was a uh, kind of a faction type book. It's uh, it's got historical fact in it, and they kind of uh, uh, intertwined a little bit of a fiction in there. And uh, the book was all about the Lord Jesus Christ coming back because Hitler took the, took, uh, took the reins in Germany, and he had to bend the Antichrist, and you had a holocaust. And listen, that holocaust was awful. I know some people kind of downplay it, but uh, there's just too much evidence otherwise. But uh, even, if it was, even if it was 600,000 instead of 6 million, or even 100,000, that's a lot of people being killed, all right? For just being what they are, and uh, Jesus didn't come back then. No, nope. you know. So I mean, we've seen horrible tragedies uh, in history. We've seen genocide. Uh, we've seen, um, you know, we've seen wars and rumors of wars, and yep. uh, and and he hasn't come back yet. And when we nope. study the when we study the tribulation, we study the end times, and we see that, uh, as I mentioned last, last night, the Bible says that it would be in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Yeah. Now, if we're not in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot, then those days had to have been awful. Exactly. I mean, that had well, to have been awful. We're, we're not there yet. It had to have been no. horrible. No, and, and, I, and I think that's, that's, a good, that's a good point, too, because people take that assumption and they just say, oh, you know, you know, we just see that, uh, you know, some people kissing or, or, or uh, gay marriage being allowed to, uh, to go through in a couple of states and now, of course, the whole country. And, um, and we think, oh, we, we, we are suddenly all of a sudden in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, you know, just because, uh, just yeah. because something gets passed. Uh, by law, or we or we see things, or you know, as I was reading a, a, an article from a street preacher who who this whole last uh, two weeks almost now is is saying that uh, while he's street preaching, everyone everyone from the gay community is coming up and saying, "You've lost the battle, we've won." Um, and we as Christians, we we want to take them and think, "Oh, we we must be in the days of Noah, and we must be in the days of Lot." But I agree with you. I think we are far, far from those days yet. 
Uh, I, I I think we've we've only seen the scratch of the surface. Now, well, you know, if I, he comes, I, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I think when it comes down to it, when you when you when you study out those stories in Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, when you read the stories in the Book of Judges, uh, uh, to where the mentality that they took place, where people were actually having to hide. Yeah, where people were were being taken into homes at night because you did not want to be left outside. We're, we're not in those. We're not in those days yet. Well, I would say so. I mean, when you study the book of Genesis, all right, let's uh, let's just go a couple chapters prior to Genesis chapter nineteen when the two angels show up, they pull Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Before sure. Sodom and Gomorrah happens. We have uh, in the previous chapter or prior uh, chapter prior to that, um, we have uh, chapter eighteen. We have Abraham um, bargaining with God, if you would. That, that'll make the yeah. Calvinists freak out. Use that term, but uh, but he literally is bargaining with God. And Genesis chapter eighteen, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, all the way to the end of the chapter, he says, yeah. "Lord, if if there be, you know, just." 10 righteous. He starts off in 26 with 50 righteous, and then he kind of starts yeah. working his way down. By the time he's done, can, can you not destroy the city for 10? Because yeah. he's sitting there counting on his fingers. He's going, well, let's see, he's got a few kids, you know, and I'm sure they've yeah. got husbands. He's probably won them the Christ. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 10. And God actually says in Genesis 18, all right, I'll spare the city for 10. If you've got yeah. 10. And he destroys the city in Genesis 19, which means there wasn't even 10 righteous in the city. Yeah. It makes you wonder how many there were. Yeah. I know the Bible doesn't tell us, but it makes you wonder, you know, was there nine? You know, just one, just one more soul. <laughs> I, I don't know if we could even say nine. Well, I, I doubt it, but, uh, yeah. you know, it, to, to, me, it, to me it puts just a little bit of an edge of... Uh, of of seeing the necessity for getting out and sharing the gospel, because if we were in if we were in that in this day and age, and somebody uh, two angels came to you, brother Anthony, and said, "Hey, if you can yeah. find ten people in the town of Payson that are still righteous," I mean, if I had seven days to find ten people, I'd be out yeah. twenty four hours a day making sure that I could share the gospel with every single soul that came by me. Well, you know, it's interesting. When you look at Genesis 19, that's exactly what Lot does, at least with his own family, which sure. gives us a principle. So, folks, we see things changing, all right? And I see a lot of posts going on in the chat room. Haven Rock just jumped in. Uncle Nick, I see you jumped in as well. Um, and they're, they're talking about the beheadings, the shooting, the deportations, the jailings. This is happening around the country. Um, Again, this is my opinion, though. I'm going I'm to just say it is my opinion, all right? But I believe that before Christ comes back, we're going to see uh, something on a global scale. And I'm looking at the United States of America, and we're not completely gone, all right? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, some may disagree with me. That's fine. Call it in and disagree. I don't, I don't care. That's, that's fine. I'll probably look at you and say, you're right, uh, or I'll say I disagree. But the point is this um, – I don't think we're there on a global scale yet. It's getting there, but not mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. I, re I, re I really do. But when, when, when you look at Genesis 19, you see, several, you see several solid examples on what to expect 
and how to react and how not to react. Like for mm-hmm. instance, let's take let's take uh, Lot's wife. Obviously, Lot never let go, or Lot's wife never let go. She turned back, and kaboom, she turned into a pillar of salt. So we see a lesson there. You may want to leave, but uh, or you may be leaving, but it, not in your heart. Meaning that God sees your heart. So if yeah. you, on the outward, say that you're against all this junk that's going on, but inwardly you're sympathetic to its cause. And let me just say this for all the guys, all right? I'm going to throw this out there. You know, I'm against sodomy. I'm against, you know, the, the gay, lesbian community. And you're looking at pornography, and you're watching that stuff online. God exactly. sees your heart, all right? Exactly. God sees it. And you better remember Lot's <laughs> wife, all right? That's an example yeah. of God knows the heart, as opposed to your outward appearance. He sees the outward appearance, uh, but he's not near as impressed with it as much as he is with the heart. Then you see the other aspect. The first thing Lot does, seeing and knowing the judgment of God is coming, the first thing he does is he goes to his family. Yeah. All right? He goes to his family. You look at Genesis chapter 19. He actually goes to, um, he goes to, his, he goes to their houses, in Genesis 19, and he, and, he, and he must have looked like a fool to him. I mean, he's begging them. He's like, girls, you've got to get out. I have two daughters. Uh, i got several daughters. And, 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 he, said, and he goes to his daughters uh, in, in verses 14, and the Bible says, he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. Yeah, so he exactly. goes to, they, 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 they mocked him. So he, he does the right thing. He goes, he goes to his children and and then they didn't respect him because he was too late. Yeah. But it's still the right thing. It's a hypocritical hypocritical father is what it is. It, it is. But at the same yeah. time, you got to do whatever you can do. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah. And and I think I think uh, my advice to every Bible believer out there in our listening audience, who who's just just upset with this Supreme Court decision. Um, you think that everything has just gone bleak on you. Well, if you truly believe that, the first step is look at your family and see whether they know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing you're going to go after. I mean, that's the first and foremost thing that you need to try to win. Mm-hmm. And this is a dangerous thing if we forget that. I mean, you have two precious children, Dan. I mean, can you even picture them looking at you and laughing at you and saying, "Ah, go on, old man, you don't you don't you you don't scare us. The world's not going to end. What? what, Go on. Get out. Get out. I mean, you imagine the heartbreak. Yeah, God forbid that should ever happen. It's it's it would be a devastating thing. So the first step has to be family. You've got to look at the family. Do your children know Christ? Do they love the Lord? I mean. This is the first thing Lot does. He goes right to his family. Of course, um, I can understand why they, he seemed to them as one that mocked. Because remember, when the Sodomites were trying to get into his house, he offered his two unmarried daughters to him. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that bothers me just a tad bit. I don't know. Um, that bothers me greatly. <laughs> All right, girl, you guys can have my daughters. You know, yeah. and by the way, that shows how despicable these these sodomites are. They wouldn't even take the girls, yeah. all right? That's how twisted they are. They really are filled with some demonic lust that they're not even impressed with that. So when you see these guys walking around saying, "I'm not interested in women anymore," 
I actually believe it because we see mm-hmm. it in the scriptures here. We actually see they don't even want them. That's how lust-driven they are. We want the guys that showed up. All right. Yeah. Say, well, you can't. You can't break that natural desire. Yeah, you can. You can. Well, yeah. Bible says you, you're given over to a reprobate mind. God has literally let go of you. There's no. There's no Holy Spirit to convict you. There's no natural conscience to convict you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even with where Lot stood in his own, wherever Lot was with his relationship with God, and I and I believe with all my heart, I believe because it says that his that his kids mocked him. Uh, I believe that Lot probably lived a hypocritical life, and God was God was good for him uh, when he needed when he needed God's help. Yes, but he, but even even Lot said in verse seven. I mean, he said, "Do not so wickedly." No matter where Lot stood in his relationship with God, even Lot knew, and I think even even most people know. I'm not going to put a racial classification on them. I believe most people know that that uh, that what is happening is wicked, mm-hmm. whether they yep. want to whether they want to openly admit it or not. I think they, there's no other no other classification for it. I mean, Lot says this is a wicked this is a wickedness of what you want to do here. Uh, he puts it out there pretty plainly. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Haven Rock. Um, brings up a uh, good point in the chat room, and I, I, we're about we're about to go to the break. But I've got to say, you're right, Haven Rock. He says uh, he, he says God says you better check your own heart before your family, and then he he says doesn't he get a question mark? That's actually Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six before he tells or teaches, um, or excuse me, gives the commandment to teach your children. Deuteronomy six six uh, or six five says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. And with all thy might. So that is a given, Haven Rock. You're absolutely correct. And, and in, in the case of Lot, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, he was a righteous man. So we know, we know his heart. He was a righteous man who was vexed by yeah. the wickedness of the city of Lot or the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. So his heart was in the right place. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Hey, we'll be right back right after the break. Don't go anywhere. Hang on. denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 225 4659. That's 541 225 4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Covenanters call. Uh, I am Pastor Dan Zyke, and on the air with me tonight is Pastor Anthony Gorissi from Payson, Arizona, and he is sitting in his easy chair tonight in his big office there. I've been there before, got comfortable chairs, comfortable couches, and uh, we are on the air tonight in place of Pastor Mike Hoover. He's on the road with his son. They're having a great family time, we hope. We hope they have a safe journey. But tonight we have taken over his radio broadcast, and we've had a great conversation so far. 
and we've enjoyed the conversation. Are you there, Brother Anthony? I'm still here. You know what? You've given you've given the first honest um, intro that I've received from a, uh, a co-host. Because every time I've done what uh, my co-host, you, you've given me the first honest intro. Because every oh. time I have uh, Jason Burton as my co-host, he always comes off with this, uh, you know, sitting under the cedars of Lebanon. And uh, what what do you order? Did you order pizza, man? They're calling you back, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they got the order right. <laughs> but anyway, he always says uh, you're under the cedars of Lebanon, the only megachurch in Payson, Arizona, s- surrounded by the Library of Alexandria. And you basically called it for what it is, a fairly spacious office with some comfortable seating. That's that's really all I have here. Yeah, yeah. I slept in those chairs. Yeah, these are great couches, by the way. I've got couches here yeah. so that you can you can lay down and tell me all of your woes. I get to sit there and say, it was your mother. That's that's the reason. It was your mother. Exactly. She beat you as a child, and that's the problem exactly. right there. Yeah, now, now I will say I've been to Pace in Arizona, and, and you probably do have a mega church for Pace in Arizona side. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, we don't. I'll tell you why. Because um, there are emergent churches all around us, and uh, and they okay. they run like three, four hundred. So they're the mega churches. I I can't compete with them because I don't have a set of drums on my platform. Man, if I put a set of drums on my platform, I I double our attendance. Yeah, you know? If you had a set of drums on your platform, you'd have to find someone to play them. Oh, my wife could play them. Oh, there you it's go. in her blood. Yeah, my mother-in-law. I, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Shameful. Shameful. I didn't know Payson had three or 400 people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. that's true. It's true. Right. Hey, qu- question for you. See, whenever I do Pastor Hoover's radio show for him, I, I, let, I let the second half introduction intro play the entire time. Because, yeah. because I just, I really, you know... I don't really care for those bagpipes so much, but it, it irritates me so much I just have to let it go. <sighs> what do you think of the bag? You know what? what do you think of the, what? What is your honest opinion of the bagpipes? <laughs> On my father-in-law's show, you want me to give an honest opinion? <laughs> <laughs> He's not listening. <laughs> and hey, we've taken over. So that's uh, right. We've taken here's over. My, here's my honest opinion. On bagpipes, or say some would say a goat woo. Um, <laughs> I, the first, the first image that comes to mind is some guy in a skirt, a plaid skirt. Yes. So I, you know, that's and that's on, my opinion. And on that topic, uh, similarly, what we were discussing in the first half. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Um, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear it. Somebody's going to stand up there and, you know, holler, freedom! And the Scottish exactly. right, don't you dare tell a Scotsman that that's a dress. No. As long as I get to throw the sword, I'm happy. Uh, yes. <laughs> See, I, I, I got uh, Uncle Nick, paisano, fellow Italiano. And, it's, and you know what it is? It's just Italians, we're not really big into... Uh, an in- instrument that can only play in a certain key, and in some cases an annoying key. But that's that's okay. That's okay. You know, I. 
I like Amazing Grace off the bagpipes. Lord willing, if I'm around and I end up doing your funeral. Yes. I will hire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> what What is this? This is awful. It's a bold statement that you might even outlive me. Well, you, you are, are not that much younger. But I am younger. That's the whole point. Oh, man. So, yeah. Are we getting on with our topic or are we? Yes. Yes. 1-800-932-1980 is the call-in number. This is a live Bible call-in program if you've got a Bible question. Hey, before you go to the deck, before you go on there with what you were going to say, we were going back to our previous topic of the of the uh, of the first half, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah did did you, did you know that the uh, with the Supreme Court justice uh, decision that was made a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago? Did you know that that for the the what is it the L G B T sorry yeah. I, I want to start breaking out in dance of the uh, you know Y M C A instead um, right that's on the, topic yeah the um, <laughs> <laughs> the equality for marriage for the gay lesbian sodomite movement they probably don't use the word sodomite though. Um, is not the, the the equality for marriage? That's not even their agenda. No, what they what they pushed for, and millions of them rallied and sent letters and protested and have done all this, and that's not even their agenda. That's exactly right. That's isn't exactly that a, right. Isn't that a shame? Well, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's a, that that kind of segues into what we were going to deal with this evening. But before we get on that, I, I got to ask you how does how do the um, your female inmates that you minister to on a regular basis how do they they're feel not, about the Supreme Court decision? First of all, they're not mine. I just go and okay. minister to them. Uh, um, you get you get the point. How do they feel I about understand. the Supreme Court decision? I understand. Uh, so we were there. Two days after, was it two days, three days after, we'd go there on Saturday nights. And so last Saturday night we were we were there, and uh, the other minister that, uh, that goes with me, he starts talking about uh, in this day and age with the decisions and politics going on and changes happening and so forth. Um, and, and obviously it's a room full of women, and we are not allowed to talk about uh, homosexuality, right? We can we can beat around the bush. We can talk about we can talk about sexual sins in general. We can talk about about uh, um, adultery and fornication. Uh, we can talk about uh, you know all kinds of things, but we cannot mention homosexuality. Partly because the chaplain is a is a lesbian. But, ah, well. And so, you know, every once in a while they'll have spies in there and we'll we'll have our get our hands slapped and and uh you get a warning note that uh you know we can't do that. And so he's talking about political changes and, and the uh the, and he's very vague and, and all the ladies wanna know what happened. None of them none sure. of them know none of them know what's going on. And it's just it's a topic that, that we can't really discuss with them in there. And so um Really? Well, you know, it's, it just seems stereotypical to have a lesbian chaplain in a female prison, but um, 
yeah. Frank says here in the chat room, he says, so the prison system has a gag order? Apparently. Wow. I guess, well, you know what? They're in jail, so I guess yeah. they can argue that they have no well, rights. But let's say, you know, some of them some of them are able to watch news, and certainly, you know, there is a, there's a large amount of them who are, or at least claim to be lesbians. And, uh, you know, and in all actuality, church night often becomes date night for a lot of them. It's where they come to uh, to hold hands if they were allowed, which they're not. But uh, it's where they... It's where they at least come and sit down next to uh, their their date, and uh, they get to I guess stare at each other's eyes for two hours. But um, you know, it's it it, it it is it is such a strong uh, uh, force in there that I I know they've got to know about it. You know, even from even from phone calls calls to letters from visitors, uh, you know, all that stuff. I I know that they they know what's happened. But it is uh, it's such a, a like you said it's a, it's such a gag ordered sure. topic that that really we have to be so careful with what we talk about and beating around the bush and so it it it, it has not come up um, but I, I I'm 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 sure that they are celebrating and rejoicing in prison sure. over over in some of the some of the groups. Well, I I think um, <clears throat> what what you are experiencing in the prison there and trying to minister to them is indicative of what we are to expect uh, in our society today, and that is, um, you know, they want a gag order on us as well. That's that's the bottom line. What what do we expect from all this? And you brought yeah. up a good point, Dan, in saying that marriage was never the end game. In no. fact, uh, I have an article here by Leo Homan. Uh, this was written. Uh, this was uh, this article was put on uh, last week by uh, WND. And uh, you folks can check that out online. But yeah, uh, he brings a, up a good article. Yeah, it's a long article, but it, it brings up several things that uh, the so-called marriage equality is not the end game, according to the activists. In the very words of the activists, it's merely a window through which they will push for other rights. And I'm sure many hosts on this uh, prestigious American Voice Radio Network um, have already dealt with this. But uh, we actually have the the quotes where they they want to create a uh, anti-fascist infrastructure of social media legal research and watchdog groups to expose and defeat the white right wing culturally and politically and uh, and and this article it's a good article um he actually breaks down some of the activist statements and uh, let's see if i can uh, bring up one of them this is uh, chelsea this is a statement by chelsea Manning, who was formerly Bradley Manning, uh, she or he, excuse me, speaks out uh, as a transgender advocate. But uh, this is what he says. He says, same-sex marriage is just the beginning. We can't let our movement end. There are still queer and trans, they even call themselves queer. There are still queer and trans folks who struggle every single day yeah. for the rights to define themselves, to access gender-appropriate health care, and to live without harassment by other people, the police or the government. And see, when, when you hear these, sta- these words like harassment, they, these are so subjective. It's pretty soon you're you're going to be an enemy of the state, and you're going to need to be treated because your harassment was you merely put a Bible verse that they disagree with. He said many queer and trans mm-hmm. people live and lived in our prisons. Well, you bring up prisons and jails in our homeless shelters and rundown houses and apartment buildings and on the corners of every major city. 
I, I, I don't even get the direction he's going here because most sodomites I meet live really, really well. All right? Yeah. Most do. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Major Marriage equality doesn't help them. See, this is very interesting. Yeah. He says it doesn't help them. He says, and the potential loss of momentum for trans queer rights after this win could well hurt them. So his point is this. This was never their end game. Their end game is to now force you to accept them or die, which is something we've been saying for some time now. Yeah, well, and, and, and in the same article, there's uh, they quote Tamara Metz, who's the associate professor of political science and humanities at Reed College, and she's written a book apparently called "On Untying the Knot," and uh, and she says now that marriage equality is the law of the land, the next phase of the struggle is to work toward the elimination of marriage as an institution. Yep. So that that is their next goal. She says, abolish the legal category. Even as we savor the victory for ci- for civil equality this week, we should start to push for disestablishing marriage. Freedom, equality, and the health of our liberal democratic poli- uh, polity depends on it. And so there, that is their uh, – here's the problem, Brother Anthony. Here's, here's the issue. <clears throat> We're going to have hundreds of pastors staying behind their pulpit and preaching for months on end about this. Supreme Court decision, and while we have so many of us, what's the word, narrow, narrow-minded, yeah, uh, on uh, uh, tunnel vision on this topic, we're going to be having this this group coming up right behind us, right under our nose. Uh, completely eliminating marriage, which which marriage is a God-given institute. It's not given through the government anyhow, but it's sure. a God-given institute, and they want to completely. The whole point is to just to just to remove it. In fact, and she says she says get the state out of the business and let couples and and she, she says and groups for that matter. So not just couples. And so yeah. really, there's no reason why people who um, who want to want to marry more than one wife. It's the whole, you know, it's the whole purpose. And groups, hey, if you want to get a group party going on, uh, you know, make a deal, five for the price of one, whatever the matter is. But she says, let them marry under the auspices of what, of what are for them real uh, uh, ethical authorities. And she says, in these in these hands, whether it's their church, their family, their urban tribe, or their garden club, the power of their status to transform would be invigorated. Now, I gotta say this. Her statement there, I don't necessarily disagree with, but I, wh- what I see in her statement, Dan, is she's saying this marriage equality thing, we took it. We wanted yeah. it, but it, that wasn't our purpose. Our purpose exactly. is to force you to accept us. She just assumed not have the government involved. So this is real honesty. Get the government out of marriage and put yeah. the government where we want it to be, and that is forced to tolerate and accept and even indoctrinate folks with the sodomite agenda and this is the bible this is exactly what the bible teaches genesis chapter 19 that i mean yeah. when when you see these guys after god strikes him with blindness still trying to get at lot this shows their determination and uh, mm-hmm. this is this is unbelievable uh candor i appreciate this um sure. she's finally coming out and just saying what we wanted we, we wish they would have just said to begin with 
Yeah. All right. Well, I, government I stay out of our business as far as marriage is concerned and start enforcing the tolerance of our lifestyle and, yeah. and, and even punishing the opposition to it. Yeah. And, but can you disagree with the with the, with this statement? If it were not, if it were not a sodomite saying this, can you disagree with the statement? Get the state out of our business. Yes. And let us and let us marry. Yeah. Exactly. As we as we want to. Right. Let and her, I I agree with that statement. Yes. Absolutely. Know, I, I agree with the statement too. You know, to a point we're fighting on the same side. Uh, yeah. Get the state. <laughs> don't quote me on that. Uh, yeah. Get the state out of out of out of our business. It's not marriage is not a state issue. It's a political right. issue. Well, it's and a that's issue. And that's one of the things that we have been saying for years on this show. That's uh, I don't I don't perform yeah. a marriage with a state license. I will not put my name on the bottom line of a state yeah. license at all. And I do not say when the mm-hmm. marriage is over, when the ceremony is over, I do not say I now pronounce you under the authority of the state of Arizona. I now pronounce you man and wife. I do not do that at all um, yeah. because the state of Arizona grants me no authority at all. I'm not interested in their authority or their proof or permission. And, yeah. uh, of course, the subject of marriage, who should perform a marriage and all that stuff, that's a, that's a very interesting subject in and of itself. But the point is mm-hmm. – same-sex marriage is not enough. They, no. they, they had no intent on just seeking equality and subsidy from this federal government. Yeah. They want a precedent set by which they now can force us to accept them. And that's yeah. exactly what An- Justice Anthony Kennedy did. Well, exactly, yeah. And you know, going on in the article, journalist, lesbian journalist uh, Masha Gesson, I believe, um, she said on an ABC radio interview that homosexual activists were lying about their real political agenda. Yeah, this, this is you know we're just lying about it. We, you know, you know what you know what I what I see in this Anthony is a global wide, extremely organized group. Yes, I mean, I mean this. I mean, talk, I mean it's, it's not just an individual. This is a this is a group. This is an organization. It's an unorganized, I mean, an, an unregistered organization. They are they are a large, very large, and very organized group. Who they have, they are all on the same page. Yeah. They're all on the same page. You know, it's not about the marriage. It's not about equality. Now, this is what we're going to tell you in our commercials. It's what we're going to tell you in the politics. It's what we're going to sue you for. It's what we're going to sue your bakeries and pizza shops and everything for. But that has nothing – you understand that we're, people are getting sued for sure. a reason that the, that, the, uh, that, the, that the sodomites don't even care about. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That's, that's what, a good point. That's what, this, that's what this comes down to. I mean, here, here, in, here in Portland is the bakery shop. And they they lost the battle, obviously, but they lost the financial battle as well. They they're being fined a uh, hundred and some odd thousand dollars that they have to that they have to uh, that they have to pay. And uh, but the according to this article that the lesbians themselves have written or the gay community has written is that it's not even about that. We'll take yep. your money. We'll take your money. We'll shut you down. But it's not about equality one bit. 
they could just easily go somewhere else, and that's and they would, and they norm, you know, they normally do. But they just got to make sure you pay for not accepting them. Here's something in the article: it says they're going to focus on churches, schools, and families. The activists intend to make that happen by using the left's vast community organizing resources. They will focus on re-educating churches, schools, and families. One community organizing group. Uh, called Believe Out Loud is an online community for LGBT Christians told the Daily Beast it has a unique role to play in promoting this acceptance in the context of U.S. churches, particularly within Christianity. He says, as we look ahead to a movement beyond marriage equality, we know that the work of affirming Christians is not yet finished. It's now time for churches to move beyond simply accepting what we understand to affirming LGBTQ people as they are, the organization said in a statement. And that's exactly what they're going to go for. Now, as I said last night, um, the first step they're going to take, obviously, is going to uh, force churches to give up their tax exempt, or they'll just take the church's tax exempt status away, which... um, we've never sought for and we certainly we certainly preach against having a tax exempt status uh well, here's, we do believe go ahead you know i was just going to say well here's here's part of the thing yeah i'm i i'm on facebook ashamedly i'm on facebook i'll, I'll confess it to you as a preacher um but i see a lot of <laughs> i see a lot i see a lot of pastors um talking about, you know, it used to be, send me to prison, that's fine, I'll just be a prison, I'll just have a prison ministry. Um, and now they're and now they're recognizing the reality of the whole tech tax exemption status and the reality yeah. that that will be revoked. But here's the thing, Anthony, they're seeing that, and they're saying, oh, take that away, not a big deal. Hey, I'll still, I'll still preach and not a problem. But do you think that they even realize the reality, the, the scope of what that means uh, for them as a pastor. Oh, no, they do not have any clue as to the scope. You and I do, yeah. because we see visitors come in our doors and write checks to us, and then we have to give it back to them. And so when they see us giving their checks back, because we don't have a bank account, we're not taxed, we, we don't have an EIN number, we're not employers, and all that stuff, you see them walk right out the door, even though they believe the Bible, love what you preach and teach, love what you sing, but money is a big issue, and that's what's really going to affect the churches today, money. Wait, wait a minute. Can we go back to that beginning? You have visitors? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. Okay. Every once in a while. I money, I money is the issue. People are going to find out. Pastors are going to find out. They're going to possibly lose their property, possibly lose their building, possibly lose, going to lose people over this. When when somebody con- convictions will be will be settled in church in church members when yep. they know when they when they know that uh, down the road they can go to another Baptist church or church period, whatever strike you want to call them, and that church will take their money and they can get a tax deductible gift at the end of the year. But yep. you know. So, so what if so what if they have a couple gay people couples that go to church there? So what if if uh, you know if if uh, my kid's Sunday school teacher is a lesbian? Uh, you know, convictions I had last year, so you know that that changes this year. Yep, it's true. The Bible says that which is highly esteemed amongst men is an abomination in the sight of God. And here's the thing: in context, he's dealing with money. Money yeah. is one of the biggest motivators. In, in amongst Christianity, we are in that Laodicean age, if you would, and mm-hmm. it's it truly is 
it's 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 evident in in what our churches are seeking for the most. They want yeah. numbers. They want uh, nice buildings. They want yeah. approval. They want praise. They want respectability. They want well, acknowledgement. Well, going going with that. I'm sorry, uh, cutting off. Going going with that. I, I think that's all of those things. You know, pastors will be. They they may be willing to give up their property. They may be willing to give up their building. Uh, but when they start, when they start losing, you know, what's a pastor supposed to do with no people? You know, what's yeah. A, or 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 when he when he used to have a hundred people and he's down to ten people, what's a pastor or, supposed to do? Or five people, whatever. Or how about this? When you used to have five thousand and you're down to a hundred people, exactly. And and you you also listed another point of that is and that is approval, because yep. a lot of the a lot of pastors, not us. But a lot of pastors, boy, they're they're up they're up big with the with the bigger name pastors, and they're big in the in the community and the fellowship of pastors. And uh, you tell you what, peer pressure is huge, even when it comes to being in the ministry. All right, folks. Well, that's uh, that's it for us. There's the music, those bagpipes again, Thank and uh, so. Yeah, it's just time flies when you're having fun. Well, you've heard enough of us. American Independence comes up next. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. God bless you, folks. Goodbye. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is the American Independence Hour for Tuesday, 7th day of July, year of our Lord, 2015. As always, do my little dance here. A man made in God's image, as per Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I'm endowed by my Creator with certain unalienable rights, as per the Declaration of Independence. I'm broadcasting from within the borders of the state of Texas, a member state of the Perpetual Union styled the United States of America. Having said all that, I believe I'm good to go. Hmm? Uh, Programs only intended for other men and women who are made in God's image. If other people are listening, you know, nothing I can do about that. Other persons are listening. Uh, Nothing I can do about it, but it's only intended for those of you who are made in God's image, as per Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and endowed by your Creator with certain unalienable rights, as per the Declaration of Independence, and who are currently living within the borders of a state of the Union. might be the state of Texas, or the state of Oregon, or the state of Illinois, or any one of the 50 states of, of, of the Union. There's some people who debate whether there's really 50. Some people think there's only 48 states of the Union. But the point is I'm only broadcasting to people within the United States of America. Um, Let's see. Our guest, our co-host is Frank Stefan. Hello, Frank. How are you doing? Good. You, Al? Yeah, I can't complain. Um, It would be better if I were probably 20 or 30 years younger. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have more energy. Kind of look around and go, well, you know, I honestly I do. I, I look around and go, boy, you know, I'm 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 actually glad I'm not a teenager today. Uh, what's the what's the toughest diff, what's the toughest age range for you? 
up to, you know, 1 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40. What was the toughest decade for you growing up? Oh. Uh, now we're presuming you have grown yeah, up. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Does, we'll can start I, with that presumption. Can I do like, you know, 40 to 50? <laughs> do you think that was the toughest one? I don't know. No, probably not. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I actually had it pretty... Uh, Pretty good. I, I guess I'd say from maybe now it's uh, all catching up with you. Yeah, right? eighteen to twenty-eight was. I probably think the twenties are your toughest decade. Well, I you're think on for me. Grown, you don't know what you're doing. You think you're grown. Oh yeah, you think you're grown. You <laughs> thought that while you were living at home and you're you were arguing. You got to turn me loose, thrust that, and then you got loose. And yeah. what the, what's going on out here? This place is peculiar. I they thought this scary. would be easier. Yeah, I know. And just fun. <laughs> yeah. And there wouldn't be any anxiety involved and you realize, you know, for me, the 20s were probably my tough, my most difficult decade. And since then, I don't know, it seems like it gets a little easier every decade. Now, I know that isn't going to let, isn't going to be true forever. <laughs> no, it goes the other way, I'm pretty sure. You've got to have a pretty bad decade one of these days, but um, 20s were the hardest for me, probably. Yeah, I'd have to say if I was going to pick. I didn't understand they were hard at the time, but I was drinking back then, too. Well, uh, that makes it easier to forget that it's it does. harder. It does. You don't. It's it's kind of like having Alzheimer's at an early age. Yes, early onset Alzheimer's, also called alcoholism. Yes, Alzheimer's on demand. That's what I like to call it. it. <laughs> so, what do we got for tonight? Got a, I sent you over a couple of things to look at. Here's one I didn't send. All right. Oh, I sure. Did, I didn't send to you, but we can talk about it generically. The headline is $1 trillion lawsuit filed against MSM, presumably mainstream media, for staging Sandy Hook massacre. Oh. Uh, after an exhaustive Mr. Shanley, someone by the name of uh, filmmaker and author, William Brandon Shanley launches a wave of lawsuits for more than $1 trillion against big media over Sandy Hook massacre coverage. This is Mr. Shanley's statement. He says, after exhaustive research, the good news is that the overwhelming evidence reveals that no children or teachers died at Sandy Hook two years ago. For relief, I've filed lawsuits against the media and U.S. District Court of New Haven for the uh, fraud and terrorism. Here's an example of our abundant evidence. Exhibit D, the Connecticut State Police dash cams record evacuation, record, excuse me, no evacuation of children from school at critical moments. And he's got a website here that you can view, where you can view these videos apparently. Smoking gun evidence. No children died at Sandy Hook. Now, we've seen a bunch of claims that different events in this country have been staged, and they're fraudulent. Sandy Hook, here's one that claims Sandy Hook is that. Uh, the Boston Marathon bombing, I've seen people who swear up and down the whole thing was staged and didn't really happen. What do you think about, there are claims that there are groups of people that are running around that just perform like actors. Well, you know, 
put these hoaxes on and, and essentially terrify the public or make them more malleable to government control. I've actually, think, I've actually looked at this quite a bit. I, I have actually looked at this quite a bit on quite a, quite a few different things. The uh, Boston bom- bombing, for you know, example. Yep. Uh, you can, one curious thing, and these videos, see, this is the great thing about the information age, you know, they they would have never. I, I I can't help but think they're planning on the herd mentality that okay, look, yeah, some people are going to realize what's going on, but most everybody isn't, and that's all that really matters. But you know, say just thirty thirty years ago, they they could have easily done this because there wasn't YouTube. Okay, now you and can, there weren't. Not everybody had a cell phone sure. with a camera on it. Yeah, and and honestly, I have seen the evidence that at the Boston bombing, they've got people with fake, blown-off limbs that were actually amputees. You know, these were actual people who had lost limbs prior, wearing these plug-on bloody limbs. You know, and and you see them falling off and stuff, you know, on the video. Then you see, for instance, the same people, the very same people who were being interviewed in Boston as, oh, my gosh, yes, oh my God, this was horrible, I'm so, oh, boy, at Sandy Hook. Yeah. You know, the very same people. It's like, boy, are these unlucky people. You know, everywhere they go, things happen, you know. And, and then there's the shooting in South Carolina. Same thing. This is, It's a ridiculous, uh, you know, and then you've got the media bumbling around like, you know, with Zimmerman, they, they, they monkey with the 911 tape to try to make them sound like a racist when really they edited it and they got caught, you know, and now they've taken this kid and they say, oh my gosh, look at these, uh, look at these, uh, like patches he has on his, uh, on his jacket, you know, South Africa and apartheid and racist things. Well, now it's been shown that those patches were photoshopped onto his onto his jacket. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's so obvious to anybody who, like, has Photoshop, which is like, you know, what, half the people who have computers have that program. You know, and <laughs> it's just, you know, and you look at this and you go, well, all right, why? Why are you doing this? And, well, you know, that that's the real question, and, you know, you got to... That's where you can go, well, I can speculate. This is why I think they do it. That's why you think they do it. And everybody can speculate, but we really don't know because they're not telling. And you have no doubt that these these apparent tragedies are, ne- are that at least some of them are hoaxes. Yes, that, that, and that's the thing. And I'll never say all of them because, you know, there could be some nut runs in and shoots some people for real. And I think the government would like that. So they could say, ha-ha, see? You know, this is really real. Well, they just had one, I guess, with this Hispanic guy, Mexican guy, been deported five times, if I understand correctly. Mm-hmm. And he shot, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I thought he under he had, over a period of time, he, he is now accused of having killed several women, not just one. I don't know if that's exactly true or not. Do you know? I heard of the one, uh, but that was right when it happened. Now, since then, they may have found other bodies. He may have. I mean, to me, 
uh, the first thing I read was here's this guy admitting to reporters, yeah, I killed her. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking, gee, uh, nobody uh, told this guy now, look, don't talk to police. And, and oh, yeah, it's reporters, too, because they'll tell the cops. You know, um, yeah, it's a bad idea to confess in public that you did it. <laughs> yeah, but he did. But on the other hand, if all they're going to do is deport you, what difference does it make? That's true. That's Been true. deported five times. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah, I yeah, shot I shot her. So what? Yeah. Send me back down to Monterey or wherever you're at. I'll be back here in a week. Well, and maybe he said, yeah, yeah, whatever, sure. I shot the other five, too. You know, whatever. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hadn't heard that part, but, uh, you know, the same day that that came out, then there's another Mexican illegal that uh, beat his own wife to death with a hammer, you know. And, uh, you know, so it's like Donald Trump last week says, hey, they're letting in these Mexicans and they're murderers and they're, they're thieves and they're rapists. And uh, he gets crucified for it. And then mm. the next week, you know, I saw at least three stories of illegal aliens killing people. So I'm wondering, you know, well, what's going on here? I mean, because the mainstream didn't have to report those stories. And they really... Do you think that Trump has demonstrated that there's a market for this information? I think the he has. The mainstream didn't want to touch previously? And they didn't, and now I say, wait a second, people want to hear about this? We can sell some more newspapers? I think so. I, and I don't know if that's their motivation, but I think he has, you know, uh, at this point, and I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump. I mean, for God's sakes, he's from New York and he sells real estate. You know, that's enough not to trust the guy. But, you know, I look at the yeah, field. He's rich. Yeah, well, yeah, and he's been bankrupt five times, so who better to run the country? Well, it's like it's like the Mexican guy out there in San Francisco. Yeah, Keller, so what? Deport me, I'll be back in a week. You know, Trump is probably saying, yeah, fine, I'll be bankrupt, so what? I'll be, yeah. I'll be rich in another week or two, I'll be rich again. Yeah, he knows how to get rich. That's, that's one thing. And he knows how to go bankrupt. And, you know, and you brought this up on financial survival. Going bankrupt is not always the worst idea. I understand. You know, and Trump... Being a businessman, you know, you got to say, well, you know, he's had these failures and he's gone bankrupt. Yes, but he's still a billionaire. Yeah. You know, so maybe that wasn't a bad idea. Maybe sometimes yeah, he's, it's he's best bankruptcy. He's, uh, you know, we have a negative opinion of bankruptcy. If someone says, oh, you know, Jones filed for bankruptcy, people say, oh, oh. What a moron. He's yeah. not a good businessman. You know, maybe, maybe properly understood, bankruptcy is a tool that can be used to positive effect by people that are having some sort of financial... I mean, that's what it's intended to be. That's not a new idea. It's what it's intended to be, a way to get out from under your debts. Just say, look, I can't pay the debt. So, all right, fine, but you've got to give up whatever you got right now, and we're going to divide it up among your creditors. And then uh, you go your way. Do whatever you got to do. Yeah, make another billion dollars on your next deal. And, exactly. You know, and that's what Trump's done. And, you know, you look at you, people, and I know this is going to come up because they've already mentioned it. They haven't gone really into detail about it. But if he starts gaining traction, I have no doubt they will. But when you look at the condition of the United States and you go, well, you know, maybe it would be a good idea just to say, okay, look. Let's say never getting paid. We're going yeah, no. bankrupt. That's it. We're starting over. Yeah, but there's a problem that they've got. 
All right. Probably more than one, but still. Well, there's a bunch of problems, but here is one of the little insy-bitsy problems that the government faces. They admit that they have an $18 trillion national debt. But some sources, including the Congressional Budget Office and James Kotlikoff, the economist, and there's others, they calculate that the real national debt is over, including unfunded liabilities, is over two hundred trillion. I read that. So I read, and if you can, if you include the derivatives, it's a quadrillion. Well, the derivatives are not part of the government, though. I'm just talking about the national okay. debt. I'm not talking about the debt for the whole country, including our Mastercards and our mortgages right. and whatever. I'm just talking about the government. Over two hundred trillion in debt now. If the government were going to come forward and admit that it was bankrupt, insolvent, couldn't possibly pay the debt, would it only make the admission for the $18 trillion that is the official national debt? Or would they have to come forward and say, oh, incidentally, the national debt's actually 10 times higher than we've been telling you. But the and good we, news we, is we're not paying that either. Yeah, we're not paying that either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I, I don't know if it would matter at that time, you know, whether they'd say, all right, listen, psst. We'll admit to eighteen trillion. We're going bankrupt. Just keep the rest quiet. You know. Yeah, but I, they, I, I, you know, if they're going to declare, declare bankruptcy, they've got to declare the whole, the whole enchilada. I think. Well, I they would think Donald you know. about that, and I'll be back in business in a short period of time. But what's the big problem with declaring the debt to be void by bankruptcy? Well, they've been using the debt as assets, and not <laughs> they haven't. Well, the banks have, and and, and that, so have private individuals. Yeah, and that's going to be a problem. And they bought U.S. securities, for example. They've got bonds, and they are treating these bonds as if they were assets. And they say, "Yay, I've got a piece of paper that says one hundred thousand dollars on it. That means I have a hundred thousand dollars." And it does not mean that at all. It means you got an IOU. That's what it means, which may be collectible and may not. And the problem that they've got once they got into this fiat monetary system and debt-based monetary system, we treat the debt as if it's an asset. But if everybody, we get so deep in debt that finally people say, we can't pay. Historically, if people canceled their debt, you know, you can look at biblical times and when we had gold and silver, all right? No, don't even have to go back that far. We could go back just, what, 75 years ago, we still had silver. 100 years ago, we still had gold and silver backing us up. Suppose I borrowed 10 ounces of gold from you. And you thought, eh, I can trust Al. And it turns out that I go out and I spend my 10 ounces of gold on uh, some girl who's working at the Million Dollar Saloon and She's not what you think. I mean, she's really a wonderful girl. You understand? Mm -hmm. Well, and it comes time when I'm supposed to repay the 10 ounces of gold to you. I don't have it. I spent it on Abigail down there at the uh, Million Dollar Saloon, and it's gone. And Abigail has probably spent it on her pimp or whatever, and he probably doesn't even have it anymore. But the point is, I don't have the gold to repay you. Now, we're going to have a problem here because 
I've lost the gold that was loaned to me. You've lost the asset that you loaned to me. And it teaches us that you were a fool to lend that money to me in the first place. And I was a fool to spend that money on the stripper down there at the Million Dollar Saloon. All right? We both have been proved to be fools by this situation. But the gold is still here in the economy. Even though you don't have the gold anymore, which is probably right a good idea because you were a dummy to lend me the money in the first place, and I don't have the gold anymore because I was a dummy to hand the gold over to the girl down there, Abigail, down at the Million Dollar Saloon. And, all right, the money has been removed from the idiots. That would be you and me and maybe even her. But it's still in circulation in the economy because mm-hmm. it's gold and silver. Now, compare that to today. Instead of borrowing 10 ounces of gold from you, let's say I borrowed $10,000. And a check, you can write me a check for 10 grand. I write checks for 10 grand to Abigail down at the, down at the Million Dollar Saloon. And before we're done, I don't have the money to repay the, the 10000 that I owe you. That money has been vaporized. It no longer exists once the debt is canceled, and we admit that, gee whiz, I can't pay the debt. It's not just a matter of me being stupid to have spent that money on Abigail and you being stupid to have loaned the money to me in the first place. The value has been vaporized when I say I can't pay the debt. You've got a, you've got, and it's not the value of the cash per se, but you've got a document. When you loaned me that that ten thousand dollars, I signed a promissory note that said I promise I'm going to pay Frank ten grand. And you've been treating that as a bond, as an asset. Well, I've got well, maybe I've gone money. out and borrowed money on it. Said, and hey, look at has. this! I've got an asset right here. I got a IOU from Al for ten grand. Yeah. So how about lending me ten grand? Yeah, that's exactly right. And then if it turns out that I can't pay the debt, your asset, your paper asset, is wiped out. That currency disappears. That ten thousand dollar note becomes void. It becomes, you know, it's no longer. It's well, no longer, and then what happens is I now I can't pay. I, disappears. And I can't pay my debt. Yeah. So I go bankrupt. And then anybody holding my debt for assets, well, they might not be able to pay their debt now. It's like a domino bankruptcy thing. Exactly what can happen here. The government can't cancel the national debt, which they admit to be $18 trillion and maybe over $200 trillion, but pick your number. They can't cancel $18 trillion in debt with also, without also wiping out $18 trillion in paper assets. There are people sitting around that holding the, the bonds that, that help to memorialize that $18 trillion in debt. And when they cancel a debt, guess what? Everybody hold those bonds. Bye-bye. You're out of, you're out of Schlitz. Well, you just yeah. assets, folks. I, I believe that. And there's the problem. I believe they that's their bankruptcy. I believe that's accurate, but I also, I believe that's the plan, because, I mean, first they were like, okay, you know, the poor, well, what are we going to do with the poor? Well, we're going to put them in projects, or put them in prison, or put them in mental institutes, or put them somewhere, 
oh, well, now we got a middle class. What are we going to do with them? Well, we'll take away their jobs. We'll put them somewhere else. We'll import Mexicans to work for half of that. We'll destroy the middle class. Well, who's left? Everybody talks about this. Well, now we have this wage disparity, you know, where we have the rich and the poor, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, who's next? The rich. Well, who's using, who's playing the paper money game? The rich are. That's right. They're the ones that's going to get wiped out because the poor and the middle class are already wiped out pretty much. We're already sucking air and, and living in cardboard boxes, you know, comparatively speaking to where, you know, the middle class was, say, 50 years ago. You know, back when I was a kid, gosh, I remember guys used to have jobs at grocery stores and gas stations and were yep. supporting a family. Yep. You know, I've said it a bunch of times on financial survival. My first job was for 85 cents an hour back when I was about a freshman, maybe even eighth grader in uh, in high school. Eighth grade and before I was a freshman in high school. I was probably about eighth grade when I started that job. I was working for... Uh, Two, maybe three hours a night after school at Blau Motors, sweeping up and emptying the trash and the rest of that sort of thing for 85 cents an hour. And people look at that and say, How about that? You're making $1.70 a day. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not worth walking over the job. Yeah. <laughs> but it was back then, we're talking 1959, 1960, in that vicinity, all of the dollars were backed by silver. When I made 85 cents a day, I was making 80, or an hour, excuse me, I was making 85% of a silver dollar. 85% of one ounce of silver. Today, that'd cost you at spot price, it'd cost you in the neighborhood. That's like 12 bucks an hour yeah. today. Huh? For not even a high That's school why kid. It was a perfectly sensible thing to take a job for 85 cents an hour. And it's why you could you could make it. You could run a gas station. You're working as a clerk. You can support a family. Well, and this is a kid who's not even in high school yet making that. Yeah, I understand. You know, there there are now men who have children and a wife who are making $12 an hour. Yep. And, yeah, well, yeah, the, the comparison is apt. Um, but there's one other problem also. Back then, total tax burden was maybe 15% yep. of your gross income. Today, it's 55% last I heard, and it's probably more like 60 65% now. Sure. And it's just, right. you know, so there goes the middle class. I mean, that, that's pretty much been gone, even though we, we say we have one. We don't have what we had anymore, I mean, as far as the middle class goes. So really, it's the rich that are left. And they're the ones that play fast and loose with this paper money. And when a bankruptcy comes, <laughs> yeah, their assets are getting wiped out. I understand. And they're going to be sitting there with a the cardboard box going, hmm, what now? And well, I, I really think they're that's gonna their plan. They're going to be sitting there thinking, after all the money I paid those congressmen and senators <laughs> yeah. to pass laws to help me get rich, and now I wind up bankrupt. There's just no justice in this world, you know? Well, maybe there will be, and there'll be a, a sale on rope at yeah, that point be. in time, you know, because, you know, my and my point of it is, you know, a lot of these people that are doing well today, very well, you know, they think they've got it made. They think they've kind of, you know, <laughs> look at all those peons out there. You know, I'm, I'm the smart one. I got this figured out. I got the connections. I'm on the inside. Well, I think they're about to be uh, betrayed. And, you know, they're going to be quite surprised about it. 
But I think they're also concerned and anxious even now. They're beginning to understand that this, some of them have written articles on it. Very wealthy people have said, look, this is bad business. You have <laughs> yeah. all the wealth concentrated in just one uh, or a fraction of 1% of the population because the other 99% are going to come get us one of these days. Yeah, they're talking about, I've, re- I've read stuff about how they're toning it down. You know, they're not, they're not driving the fancy cars that they could afford. But, yeah. no, I think, you know, when I go driving around downtown, I think I'll just, you know, have something nice but not too flashy. I just looked at an article today involving a movie actress, Meg Tilly. She's, who knows, I don't know how old she is now. She's got to be at least in her 40s. She was big. She was a pretty big star back a decade, 15 I've actually years heard, ago. I've actually, I recognize her name. Yeah, well, I, I, I've never really liked her acting, to tell you the truth. I didn't. She's always so, I don't know, cute. It just kind of <laughs> rubs me the wrong way. I just can't deal with it. But they have pictures of her with her adopted child walking the streets of some big city, and she's wearing a hoodie. She's got combat boots on. She's got jeans. She's got a big, a big jacket. If you didn't know who you were looking at, you would guess, and you would not guess that she was wealthy. And the point is, I'm sure that people in positions of wealth are beginning to recognize that they are not safe. And they're trying to conceal that wealth and go about their business, but do it without, you know, broadcast. They're not going out in a fur. Right. Well, they might if they're going in the Rolls Royce and they're going to some, you know, some big dinner or whatever. And there's with their armed guards. The yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's security all the way, but they're not just going out on the street and say, "Look at me, I've got a fur coat." Um, so I don't know. It's it's just one of those things. It's natural part of life. Every one of us tries to get as much as we can get. You know, within insofar as we have the energy to get it. Yeah, some people are too lazy. Some people are too lazy to be a thief. All right, some people are too lazy to work. Some people are too lazy to steal. That's why we have welfare. For those of you that you lack sufficient initiative to get out there and rob people and mug people, we have a we you can survive. We have welfare for you. Well, you know, there's Uh, a good reason for that. I mean, look at every president in my lifetime, at least. You know, they come in looking fairly good. And they leave looking fairly dead. They've yeah. aged like twenty years. Yeah, you know? I know. Uh, that that it might seem like all fun and games, but I don't know, man. Yeah. There's something about that job that puts the puts the years on these guys. Well, you know, I don't know when they sleep. Reagan got by. He just he'd take a nap whenever he needed one. Well, yeah, you know, well, whether it was in the middle these, of one of his speeches or whatever. Most of these people in in public office, especially at the presidential level, they're on 24-7 because there will be problems coming in. Something's happening in the uh, South China Sea, and nobody can decide what to do without the president. And we can't let it wait three hours until he wakes up. So we've got to wake him up now. I mean, I don't mind being woke up once in a while when I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah. But when it starts happening every single night, there's going to be a problem. Either I have to leave or whoever's waking me up has to leave because I can't make it without, you know, you've got to have that sleep. 
and I don't think the president can, and that's just one of the problems. Or if there's a, you know, if there's a problem between, you just say, look, if there's a problem between, like, 1 o'clock and uh, 7 a.m., kill them all. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> just, you know, Here, let me just sign a. Let me just. You know, I had a. I had a CO. I was in the military in the army back in the day, and I could type. So they made me a clerk. I was a very important individual. I could type. Yeah. Right? And that, and I understood. I learned while I was there. The army runs on its typewriters. All right. This goes back into the '60s. But at the time, you know, if you could have deprived the Army of all its typewriter ribbons, uh, you can take away the guns and the tanks and the bombers and the rest of that sort of thing. You take away the typewriter ribbons, and the whole thing would grind to a halt. That would be the end of the Army, the Air Force, and the Navy. In any case, we had a, a CO, captain, and I had to do a morning report every day. And the morning report told where each the members of the company were. And some were out on leave, and once in a while, one or two of them would be thrown in the slammer for one thing or another. The morning report was typically that we've got, who knows, 100 men here and there at the at the barracks, and a couple are gone on leave or wherever. Some are in medical. But we keep track of this stuff. Well, the CO, he didn't, and a morning report had to go in early in the morning. It had to be ready by something like 7 a.m., maybe 8 a.m. at the latest. And then it went down to division or wherever it went. And the CO didn't like coming in early in the morning to sign the morning report, so he would sign a stack of them, blank morning reports. And he would sign them and just give me the stack of these things and let me fill them in and he could sleep in later. Well, what that meant, of course, is I could put people anywhere I wanted on the morning report. And if you were out on leave, if you wanted to cut a deal with me, you would get got a 30-day leave, paid leave. You would pay me half the price of that leave, and the leave would not count because it wouldn't actually be on the record. I'd write one record that would the, that the CO could see. I'd write another morning report that actually went to the division and said, this guy's not on a leave, and he's going to get paid for that 30-day leave. He's going to collect it when he gets out of the – gets out. Well, it was all very interesting until we ran into a guy by the name of Harold Hedges. And Harold went home on leave, cut a deal, and I falsified the records. That was like 19, 20 years old at the time. I falsified the records. Harold went home, and then we got a call. Harold <clears throat> had been arrested for rape, <laughs> okay, and thrown in the slammer. Now I have to change the records to show that Harold, <laughs> who according to the record that went to division, at division they think Harold is still at the bunkhouse, <laughs> all right? In fact, he's three states away in the slammer. And now I have to concoct some sort of a cock and bull story and figure out how to get through this. And I don't remember what I did, but I did. I got away with it. But that was the end of the line for me. I began to realize you can you can fill in these phony papers, and next thing you know, you're going to be spending some time at Leavenworth, and you probably won't enjoy it all that much. See, a fine political career cut short. I understand that. I had the makings of a congressman, maybe even a <laughs> senator. But uh, I was scared off by 
certain amount of justice back in the day. <laughs> I don't know what brought that up. Something got me going on that. Uh, well, the thing about the records, you know, and, and that they're, you know, this is all, okay. Now, you've explained really good that here's what happens, you know. Here's why they can't really just say, well, that's it. We're declaring bankruptcy. Yeah. But what are they going to do? They obviously cannot pay this debt. No. Nope. Now, they can lock up the debt clock and say, well, oh, it hasn't gone anywhere in three months. Oh, sure it hasn't. You know, like, who believes that? Yeah, right. You know, e- even at 0.01%, interest on $18 trillion still adds up. You know, how'd that stop? But that's what they claim. But, it, you know, even if it did stop at $18 trillion, they can never pay it. They will never pay it. So what can they do? Eventually, they're not going to have a choice. They have to cut the size of government. They have to cut government services. They have to cut the size of the military. We can't afford to get involved in, in invading every country on the globe. We have to cut back. And the reason is that <clears throat> government, in order to spend money, government's got to have money, which is obvious point. They have two sources of money, and that's one is taxation, and the other one is borrowing. Now, the economy's already in such a bind that it's difficult for government to justify raising taxes. They're trying to extend it, extend taxes with things like FATCA, mm-hmm. where they will try to collect money from people that are overseas. All right. They're trying to get more money, but they can't really raise the tax rates without getting a lot of people screaming and shouting. They've kind of exhausted their ability to do that, at least in this weakened economy, which means they have to rely on borrowing. But if the lenders understand, they look around and say, look, these guys are never going to pay back the existing debt. I'm not going to lend any money to the government. Got to be crazy to lend money to this government. Can't pay the debt it's got. How's it going to pay the new debt? The only way the government has been able to survive the last couple of years is the Federal Reserve had to be the lender of last resort because they couldn't find enough private lenders to advance more money to the government. Well, and and I've been reading about the last few years where the Fed's the one been buying all the bonds because nobody else will buy them. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. The government issues these bonds. Nobody else would buy them. (laughs) I remember there was a moment... Somewhere in the neighborhood of five years ago, and it might have been seven, but I remember reporting on it, but I don't recall the clear date. The United States had a bond auction. They used to auction their bonds off. They had a bond auction, and no one would buy the bonds. And... They initially, they had to start lowering the price of the bonds far more than what they expected in order to get a, get a sale on them. And they realized that the only way they were going to be able to sell these bonds, this was like five years ago, they were going to have to cut the price in half or by two-thirds to get anybody to buy the bonds. So they canceled the auction in midst. They just said, that's it, we're no more, the auction's over. And that's when, after that is when the Federal Reserve started to buy the bonds. But they just buy it with money they've spun out of thin air. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing becomes, it's just a big dog and pony show. They're running out of money. They can't provide, you know, you're going to see pensions disappear. You're going to see Social Security is going to be compromised. The military is going to have to pull in its horns. 
Um, all the government programs are, or many government programs are going to be cut. Of course, we aren't going to do anything to affect the pensions of congressmen, senators, and former presidents. We know that. It won't ever be that serious. If we have nuclear war, those pensions will still be good. Uh, but the truth of the matter is they're running out of dollars. Well, and and the thing is, you know, those guys, that's what they believe. That, oh, well, they're, you know, they're golden no matter what happens. They're golden. Yeah, but that may not be. I understand. The truth at the end of the day. I mean, they'll be one of the last to go, uh, no doubt, but... They may be wearing a tar and feather suit. Yeah, they may, they may be wishing they were one of the earlier ones to just be in a cardboard box. Because uh-huh. where they're headed for, a cardboard box might not look so bad. Now the whole thing is getting shaky and, uh, I don't know, strange, frightening, scary. You know, and, and, and the news is all about follow. Greece. And every time I see... Oh my gosh, Greece owes six hundred billion dollars. Oh gosh, it's oh their default, and I'm thinking six hundred billion dollars. That's nothing compared to what this country's in. I understand. I mean, yeah, okay, we produce more than Greece even today, and I get that, but still, uh, you know, in, in the big picture, Greece is not really all that big of a deal by no. itself. No. You know, but they're going to probably try to hammer Greece into the ground. Oh, that they seems like they're doing it. And then you know, I'm reading the news. I'm just going. I'm going along. And then there's the Chinese stock market losing three trillion and something mm-hmm. dollars. Uh, you know, in three weeks. And it's yep. like, wow. Oh, didn't hear much about that. But hey, Greece owes uh, half a trillion dollars. And then yesterday, I'm reading. Oh, and Puerto Rico's going bankrupt. Yep. Hey, isn't that where the IRS lives? And Chicago's going bankrupt. And Detroit already is bankrupt. Yeah. A couple of cities in California are bankrupt. Yeah. And the state of California, with a draw and all, I don't know how long they're going to be able to resist the temptation of bankruptcy. Well, what are they, like the world's seventh largest? They're, they've definitely got a bigger economy than Greece. Yeah, I understand. You're right. They're about the seventh in the world, if I understand correctly. You know, so if they, they were compared to other governments, na- nations. If they go uh, down... Huh. It's, uh, well, they've been going down for some time. Well, and it's not just if they go down; it's a question of well, how much food do they do they provide for the United States? Well, They're that's certainly true. the breadbasket. They've been the breadbasket for. It may not be termed. It might be better to say the fruit basket, and maybe the vegetable basket. Yeah, and the breadbasket per se. They get the grains out of the central, the Great Plains. But California's provided, you know, vegetables and tomatoes and the rest of that. As we say uh, here in Oregon, they banana. provide the fruits and nuts. Mm-hmm. You know? I understand. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, it's, it's true. You don't have enough of your own. Don't you have enough of your own out, out on the uh, on the West Coast? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of crazy world, you know, because we have Portland and Salem to the north, and we have San Francisco and Los Angeles to the to the south, and... You know, everybody in between is kind of sitting there going, oh, my gosh, you people are insane. You know, uh, it's but, you know, I I mentioned this when we were on before that, uh, you know, Oregon uh, in this county and the next county, the adjoining county, has uh, made genetically modified organisms illegal here and uh, to grow. You can sell them, but you can't grow them here. And, uh, you know, district court upheld that. You know, so they're legalizing pot yeah. and criminalizing GMO. Exactly. GMO. 
<laughs> Which is, hey, good for all the pot smokers. At least you know your pot won't be GMO. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, there's there's little pockets. But, of course, Congress is running to the rescue. Oh, great. Yeah, they've that's, got a bill. That's like, oh, that's their, you know, it's like sending in a priest. You fell down and you thought you hit your head, and now, now the priest is talking to you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Uh, Pompeo, a Republican, has a bill, uh, the uh, oh, the Fair Labeling Act or something like that. And, and fair labeling means it's a ban on states or any municipalities or local governments from requiring GMO labeling. Yep. You know, they're now trying their best. About that? They're trying their best to head this off because the people have, have figured it out. Yeah. That, you know, we can't get anything done in D.C., mm-hmm. but maybe we can do something locally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people have hopped on it fast and in some places have actually had some success. Yeah. And they got to put an end to that, you know. No, you can't have that. People are getting uppity. But, you know, we see a lot of people, a significant number of people, that think something's going to happen late this fall. Yeah, yeah. September, October, maybe November, somewhere in there. Now, they're anticipating that. And they're kind of predicting that. Do you think those, do you think that's a reasonable anticipation, or is it just a certain amount of, Scare talk. Well, <laughs> I have I have conflicting thoughts on it because uh, to tell you the truth, I'm surprised we're still here. Yep. You know, so to tell me September we're all going to die. Well, <laughs> you know, okay. You know, I've been thinking that for I don't know how many years now. But yeah, of course I always pick July Fourth. And another year I was wrong. But anyway. I've read a lot about that stuff too. I've read everything from asteroids to nuclear war to you know. I'm not worried about that. I'm looking. Do they understand there's going to be some sort of a financial collapse? Sure, that that's one of the other things that financial collapse. Which uh, you know, hey, I don't know if an asteroid's coming. I wouldn't know until it got here. But you know, the financial crisis. You know, that's like looking down the tracks and seeing a light going. You know, that light's getting closer. Yeah, I know. You know, I talked today on the on financial survival that Citigroup. This was reported by Zero Hedge. Citigroup has invested fifty billion dollars in options on precious metals. <laughs> They've gone up from five billion is where they were at the beginning of this year. They're at fifty billion now, which implies that Citigroup knows or believes that something major is going to happen to the price of precious metals and over the course of the next few months. That's the implication on this. They're not investing, you know, it's hard to imagine they're investing in anticipation of, of some sort of dramatic change next year. The, you know, we don't know when they're, we don't know what they anticipate for timing. And we don't know whether they're betting that gold is going to go up dramatically in price or it's going to go down dramatically in price. But gold is already so low, it can't go a lot lower. Well, you know, it doesn't seem like they're betting. It doesn't seem it. It seems improbable that they're betting that the price of gold is going to fall significantly lower. Well, and it implies that they expect there's going to be something extraordinary happening to gold and silver, perhaps in the next several months. Now, I've I've read quite a few things, and I because I've tried to find out, and you know, I can only rely on what I've read. 
And what I've read, which is pretty, you know, they vary maybe 100 bucks here or there, but pretty much everything I've read says that with all the costs, and that includes taxes and the debt, you know, the debt load they have to operate with and whatever else, you know, wages and machinery and all that, that it costs about $1,000 an ounce to get, you know, gold out of the ground and into a coin. Yep. If that's true, then that tells me, well, gold can't go much below $1,000, not for very long. Yep. Because if it does, they'll just shut down the mines, and then that'll stop supply. Yeah. And if that happens, price has to go up. You know. Well, we're... We're talking on the program today, a reading from an article that they were implying. They were talking about the connection between the price of paper gold, which is what we really see on the U.S. and London markets. They are not measured. There's like 100 ounces of paper gold for every ounce of real gold. Uh, that can be actually that's there that's available for delivery, which means if you got a hundred people, they in theory they're buying that that same one ounce, but they don't mind because they just take their if they make a profit, they do it all on paper well, and they make a paper profit and they're happy with that and they don't need the physical ounce of gold. Yeah. But the paper market is setting the price of physical gold, and the article was essentially saying, look, this just can't continue. And I agree that it can't continue, shouldn't continue. The tail is wagging the dog. Um, We are in a world where 100 sheets of paper with pictures of a a gold coin on each sheet of paper are deemed to be more important than a single ounce of gold that you hold in your right hand. Got 100 sheets of paper in your left hand with pictures of uh, gold coins. You got one gold coin in your right hand. There's no equivalence there. And yet, in fact, the, the hundred sheets of paper are worth virtually nothing compared to the gold coin, and yet they're setting the price of the gold coin. Well, if I'm Point, doing the math right here, that would mean a physical ounce of gold, you know, if all things were equal and fair, would be somewhere around $120,000 an ounce. I understand. Now, I don't expect to see anything like that, but it's the sort of thing, insofar as the paper gold system has been used to suppress the price of physical gold, Price of physical gold is it's just hugely underpriced. It's a spectacular it's a spectacular buy right now and it's talking to Melody. It was I would be delighted if the price of gold fell to fifty bucks an ounce. Yeah, at that rate I'd be buy more. Because I guarantee you I would be you know, again, back the pickup truck up to the loading dock and you guys just fill the back of the pickup truck up until the axles begin to bend. All right. When the axles begin to deform, that'll be enough. And don't close, because I'll be coming back for a second load as soon as I clean this out. I'll be getting another load of those those $50 an ounce yeah. uh, gold coins. Uh, it would be an extraordinary blessing if it fell that far. Point, Citigroup is not necessarily betting that the price is going to go up, but odds are that's a more reasonable and like a 70% probability they're betting that the price of gold is going up. And one of the reasons is that the Shanghai Gold Exchange mm-hmm. announced last month that they were going to start setting the price of physical gold in their market. And they were going to do it before the end of this year. And they didn't say when, but before the end of this year includes September and October. Yeah, or now. 
Yeah, or now. Whenever they decide. Right, it's not necessarily December 31st. Assuming they're telling the truth, we are fast approaching a moment when there's going to be a market that establishes the price of physical gold, and it won't be anything like the price of paper gold. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, by the math, if somebody says, well, there's 100 you know, ounces of paper gold out there for every mm-hmm. physical ounce, well, the math mm-hmm. says, well, okay, at the current price that's like $120,000 an ounce which i i i would never imagine it would really be that but no when you do that and you go wow if that's true which i have no no reason to doubt it isn't given the nature of paper uh it's not hard to imagine $5,000 an ounce no no i mean people talk about 3,000 5,000 10,000 that's all well within the realm of possibility. I think you could see $3,000 gold by the end of this year. I'm not making that prediction, but there's no reason why that couldn't happen. That's essentially a little over doubling. If they set up something where we can discover the true price of physical gold, it could go. It could double. It could reach $3,000 before the end of the year. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could. it's a very good prediction for give us a year from now. You know, Shanghai could open seventh of next year. What's the price of gold? Could be three thousand. Could be five thousand. Shanghai could open and say, "Hi, welcome. Uh, An ounce of physical gold is three thousand dollars." You know, it's double what paper is. Yeah, I mean, they could do that the first day they open. Do you know what premium they're paying on gold? Over in in China right now, although this is supposedly on big orders, Mm-mm. it's not if you're buying a coin, but if you were buying a ton, the premium is supposedly six hundred dollars per ounce. Wow! If gold is going for twelve hundred bucks an ounce here, they're charging eighteen hundred an ounce over at the over in China if it's a big order. All right, their coins are still the same. You can as ours in terms of price are very basically, but it doesn't matter. If there's a $600 per ounce, that's a 50% premium sure. right now. Um, it tells you the time is coming when it won't just be on a ton of gold. It'll be on 50 kilograms. Sure. It's just like they're, you know, it's just like the, uh, it'll be on one kilogram and then it'll going to be right down on your gold coins. Well, we could use Greece as an example of, okay, they have currency controls. They, you know, uh, they they thought, well, okay, we'll start at you know the big the big money, anything over a hundred thousand dollars, right? Well, that's not going to work because everybody with more than that in the bank's already taken it out. So now they're saying, well, we're gonna we're gonna do these price, you know, these currency controls, meaning, hey, last night you had a thousand dollars in the bank, this morning you have five hundred, because we need the, you know, we're taking the rest. Oh, it's a bail-in. Do you know why they're doing the currency controls? Well, they call it a bail-in. Yeah, that's part of it. But it's not, they're not just doing, I don't think they're doing bail-ins for the bank just yet. What the problem is, is that the banks under fractional reserve banking, if you deposit $100 in the bank, those European banks are only keeping 5 maybe $10 in the vault, and the other 90 $95 are loaned out. Which means if 5 to 10% of the bank's customers come in at the same time and they say, we want all of our deposits, the bank is going to be shown to be insolvent and may have to close. 
that would be a bank run, and that's the danger. And they, because they've loaned out 90 95% of whatever money they've taken in, they can't deal with a bank run, and that's the basis, in my opinion, for the currency controls. They've shut the banks down. Why? So people can't take their money out of the banks. The currency controls are allowing you, last I, I saw an article that said they can take 60 euros right. a day out of their accounts. I've seen somebody else uh, tell me that they're only getting 20 euros a day. Huh. I don't know what the truth is, but the, but that's like 75 hey, Either bucks, way, though. 75 bucks a day. You can take $75 a day out of your account. You know, for one person, I don't know, that's a little bit, that's a little tight, but suppose you've got a wife and two kids, and you've got one bank account. You don't get 75 bucks for little Billy, and another 75 for uh, baby Sarah, and another 75 for mom. You get 75 bucks a day to support a family of four. That's, yeah, that's, that's uh, tough. Uh, yeah, you yeah, might have to cut back. Yeah, you may have to cut back just a tad. But the point is they're trying to protect the bank from the run because the bank doesn't have enough money to cover it if things really – if everybody says, I want my money, the banks are going to fold. You know, and, and, and it's a disturbing uh, attitude, but it's, a, it's, it's prevalent through the banks and government, is that they both have this idea that, well, it's more important for us to survive, these institutions, than yep. it is for the people to survive. I understand that. And I think that's completely backwards. Well, it's not exactly. There's a certain amount of... I agree that it's backwards and it's wrong, but if the bank goes down, what happens to all of the loans that it was making? I mean, they're probably called in, or if the bank is threatening going down, they call in the loans. They've loaned out $95 out of every 100 they've brought in. They start calling in all those loans, and... They're going to collapse the economy. The guy doesn't have it. You know, the guy borrowed $10,000 and expected to pay in two years. He doesn't have that money right now. Well, true. But, I mean, if you're in a situation where, okay, nobody has it, I mean, yeah. you, you know, uh, okay, so you call in the loan and nobody pays. What are you going to do, go kill everybody? Well, that's not my point. My point is, I mean, the point is always that for every debt that's out there, there's a correlative debt instrument. Mm-hmm. And they're treat, somebody's treating that debt instrument as if it has value. And if they cancel the debt, they golly, we can't pay. They also void the debt, the paper debt instrument that they're treating as an asset. Yep. That also disappears. Banks go down, and there's no telling how much money is going to disappear out of the economy. Well, paper, paper money, fiat, fiat dollar money, but regardless, we rely on it. How are we going to build another shopping center or a house or a, you know, a factory or whatever if the capital, the paper capital base, is disappeared? Well, maybe the, maybe the economy does need to recede. Maybe we don't need any more shopping malls. You know, maybe, well, you know, uh-huh. you know but we I mean? need we need we need groceries. Yeah, that's true. I agree. We can get by without, especially in this economy, we can get by without more shopping centers. But we do need some more groceries because, uh, and that's going to be a problem. If the financial thing goes down. They've created something. Again, the problem is if the debt disappears, so do the correlative assets. And as I was pointing out before, that story about. You know, you loan me 10 ounces of gold. Okay, I lose the gold, you lose the gold, but the gold is still in the economy. The economy is not crippled just because you and I might be a couple of fools. Right, and the grocery thing. Today, if you and I are big enough fools, 
we can make a bunch of money just disappear. It's not going to Abigail at, down at the topless bar. It's just going to disappear and be gone. Well, and that's the then thing, what? too, is is when you talk about groceries, uh, nearly every farmer in America runs their farm on debt. You know, they're in oh, yeah. debt all the time. Sure. You know, uh, they just, you know, oh, boy, whew, the crop came in. Now I can pay back the debt, yep. or at least part of it. Yep. But then they get right back in debt for next year. What is the significance of being in debt? Well, the debtor has virtually no rights. Yeah, that's certainly it. When you have a debt-based monetary system and everyone is technically in debt, when you walk into the court and somebody's suing you for some money, if you're the debtor, if you allow yourself, if you allow the presumption that you're a debtor to occur when you're in court, I don't think you have any rights worth mentioning. They're just saying, you just shut up. Stand over there in the corner and shut up and we'll figure out what's going to go on here. The adults, let the adults. That sounds like bankruptcy court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> you know. Oh, whoa, I just noticed the time. Yeah, I know. Past, uh, past the top of the hour. We haven't had one commercial. Didn't even break to take the top of the hour. Um, let's let's move on to a perhaps more serious subject. I sent you one of the. Uh, this is there's an article here on the California driver's license. Okay. Did you see that? Well, is it the article or the actual? Uh, uh, I sent you a file. Okay, I got it. I'm, right. look, I'm 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 looking at right here the initial statement of reasons the yeah that's it title thirteen now this is only dealing with California driver's license driver licenses but I think it's instructive there's 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 information here that's worth considering for you know regardless of where you are in Oregon in Texas in New York whatever you're going to probably find much the same. Um, Title 13, Division 1, Chapter 1, Article 20. This is federal Title 13. And they, uh, I believe it's, well, it might be California, but it does say down in the third paragraph, federal regulations establish minimum standards for state-issued driver licenses and identification cards. And that's interesting. You know, when you think, what is the Fed doing determining who gets a who gets a driver license down here in Texas or Oregon or whatever? Why can't the states handle their own their own licenses? And it's a little bit of evidence. It's not proof, but it's a little bit of evidence that what passed for states right now are just administrative territory. Well, it really is because and and why would they pass off the illusion that oh, this is a state issued. Blah, 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 exactly. whatever. If it's really all guided by federal regulations. I understand. Here's some more on this. Article 2 from the relevant law. This is on page 4. Okay, you can scroll down to page 4 and you'll see a section that says Article 2. Driver license and identification cards. You see it? I'm getting there. My uh, okay, here we go. My my deal said that uh, it increased the hand. Yeah, it expired. It said what expired? My uh, my I guess my license to view the uh, (laughs) this document or something. Okay, where are we here? Article. I'm on page four. Okay, well my pages might be different than yours. So what am I supposed to be looking at? Article two. Article two. I got it right here. It is okay, and it says subsection fifteen. 
information required to establish legal presence in the United States for purpose of determining eligibility for an original driver license or identification card. That's the heading. It's 25 words. <laughs> so all we have here is the words. Now, first, you should recall that there is both tender at Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the Constitution, where it says no state shall make anything uh, a tender in payment of debt. No, no thing shall not make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. Tender is the word that's used in the Constitution. Yep. Legal tender is a concept that comes out of statutes issued by Congress. All right? Most people don't realize that tender and legal tender are two different things. Tender is gold and silver. Legal tender includes Federal Reserve notes. These are, there's a lot of difference here, and I'm not going to get into that, but what I'm trying to illustrate is that when we start talking about tender and legal tender, we've got two different concepts here. So we've just read the heading is information required to establish legal presence in the United States for purpose of determining eligibility for an original driver license or identification card. So if there's a difference between tender and legal tender, is there a difference between presence in the United States and legal presence in the United States? I, I would say, yeah. Yeah, so would I. All right. I would say when they use, you know, if there's a saying, information required to establish presence in the United States. Okay, I get that. You know, here's where I live. I live at a certain address or whatever. Show some proof. Legal presence is something other than physical presence, in my opinion, although I don't know for sure what they mean by legal presence just yet. But I think it's a legal fiction. I think it's, I don't know, a presumption, uh, a fiction. It's something other than I'm just walking down the street in a city in the United States or within the United States of America. Legal presence is something other than physical presence. In I, yeah, I would think it would be more something like your, uh, like you said, your fiction, your legal fiction's presence something in like, the state. Something like that. Well, it may be, I don't know that they necessarily, I don't think they consider, construe you to be a legal fiction. I think they construe you to represent a legal right. fiction, which I think is the entity with the all uppercase name. Um, right, Frank and, and you know they might not be talking <laughs> that that you know this this driver license may not identify you. No, it may be the identification of your legal fiction, and this is your proof that I'm I'm representing this here. It may not. It may even be evidence that you identify with the territorial jurisdiction rather than the jurisdiction of the states of the union. It may not identify you at all in the sense people say, well, it's got a picture, it's got my height and weight and rest, that sort of thing. Say, that's my identification. Now, what it uh, does is it says you identify with this state. You identify with the fictional territorial administrative district. Yeah, kind of like travel papers to go through the occupied territories. Something like that. They don't care what they can see what you look like, for God's sake, you know. The question is, which venue do you identify with? I think that's what may be going on 
of these identification documents. Um, note that you must establish legal presence in the United States, just reading from the heading here, you have to establish legal presence in the United States before you can be eligible to apply for an original driver's license or identification card. What yeah. if you're not in the United States? You know, there were three different definitions that they talked about in Hooven and Allison versus Evett case from back about 1945, 48, somewhere in there, if I recall correctly. I think it was in the 40s. And the Supreme Court expressly identified three different kinds, three different kinds of, uh, three different definitions for United States. And the question is, which one are they talking Legal presence in which United States are we talking about? And you've got to establish that legal presence before you are eligible to apply, to apply for an original driver license or identification card. Which makes me wonder how the states are getting around allowing illegal aliens to get driver licenses and identification cards. Well, I think this is why they want to give them the illegal. They want them to get the driver's license and the, and the identification card. I think it identifies them with the venue of this state, the venue of the territory, the administrative district. And once they do that, then they can throw them in jail. Well, yeah, that could I be. Think right now, the illegal aliens may have more rights than we do because they're not carrying any of these damn identification documents. <laughs> they're just here. Well, and that seems to they're be the case. They're not legally present. They're just present. Well, and that seems to be the case. Yeah, I know. You know, I know as nutty as a crazy idea on one level, but on the other hand, you know, it does. You know, it uh, it quacks like a duck. Maybe it is a duck. And the next question, if you've got to establish legal presence in the United States before you're eligible to apply for a driver license or identification card, can you be charged with an offense if you can establish that you are not legally present in the United States? Oh, yeah, I'm present. I'm present within the state of Texas. Yeah, I'll agree to that. But I don't agree, and I do not consent to be legally present in the United States. And if I'm not legally present in the United States, am I subject to the traffic laws? Do I need a driver's license? unless If I can't get one unless I'm legally present in the United States, am I subject to any of the laws if I'm not, in the, if I'm not legally present in the United States? Um. We're just fooling around here, exploring 25 words in the heading of Section 15 of Article 2, Driver's License and Identification Cards for California. Well, and people can say, yeah, this is just all word games and stuff, but yeah, all right, until you look at, well, what is really honestly going on with illegal aliens? What happens when they get pulled over? They're told to go drive on. Yep. It does, I don't know. I don't doubt they're arrested in some instances and the rest of that. But there are too many stories where they are just, we can't do anything with them. It may be that the illegal aliens have managed to achieve the status of something like free men in this country. As nutty as that sounds. If you don't, have, if you don't identify with this phony baloney United States venue, if you don't identify with the territorial government of Texas or Oregon or whatever, Maybe they don't have any real authority over you. Well, and, you know, then there's the other side of it that, okay, so you have the federal government 
and apparently a lot of states, wanting to just make these people, you know, okay, let's make them legal. Yeah. Oh, really? Why? Well, nobody else wants them legal. Oh, well, yeah, we got to have them legal. We want them legal. It's the best thing for everybody. And everybody can see, well, it's not good for me. It's not good for anybody I know. Oh, no, 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 no. It's really good for all of us. And, well, okay, fine. They got their reasons. But there's one thing about the government that I know. Anytime they want to do something for you, it's yeah, probably not for your own good. Yeah, I know. It's like putting bait on a hook. Yeah. And trying to explain to the trout, we're doing, we're feeding. This is, we're providing this worm for you. Yeah. You know, so we're here to help you. If Uh I was an illegal alien. We're here to hook you. We're not here to help you. We're here to hook you. If I was an illegal alien. Here, just sign on this application. (laughs) I'd be real wary about becoming legal. I really would, you know, (laughs) because... No, you know, that that whole, no, we really just want to help you. Mm. What in, here's the next thing. Going back to the Section 15. The heading is information required to establish legal presence in the United States for purpose of determining eligibility for an original driver license or identification card. It's all about the purpose. Okay? They didn't just write... Chapter subsection 15, the information required to establish legal presence in the United States. You're going to establish that legal presence for a particular purpose. And in this case, it's for the purpose of determining eligibility for an original driver license or identification card. What happens if you have a different purpose? If you're... If they said, what are you doing? Where are you going? Well, it's my purpose to uh, enjoy the night air here within the borders of the state of Texas. Am I expressing a purpose that they can't deal with? If I'm working on a particular purpose, I said, no, I'm not here to get a driver's license. I'm just here to enjoy the uh, the night air uh, within, the, within the borders of the state of Texas. Um, this concept of purpose is something that not many people pay attention to. They haven't been aware of. But this purpose shows up, a purpose of some sort. And there are multiple purposes. You could find there might be a dozen, there might be a hundred different purposes for which you have to establish your presence in the United States. You could do the purpose of getting a divorce. How do you establish your presence in the United States? Is it done by presenting documents, or is it done by presumption? Hmm. I mean, purpose is a powerful, appears to be a powerful concept where, and I'm just beginning to think about it, and I'm beginning to pay attention to it. But it does look like if you can, when someone talks to you, you need to ask them, what is your purpose? Is your purpose to raise revenue for this state? Is your purpose to see if I violated any of the laws of the state of Texas? Is your purpose to discover if I violated any laws of an administrative district called Texas? Well, you know, and the purpose. And the police, they give you a perfect opportunity to ask that question when they say, uh, and they, and okay, maybe not 100% of the time, but pretty close. They'll walk up and they'll say, do you know why I pulled you over? And that's a perfect time to say, no, what is your purpose? 
in pulling yeah. me over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also part of your defense. Yeah. It was not my purpose to do such and such. They accuse you of certain things. It was not my purpose to run a stop sign. Now what happens? You would think nothing. It sounds like a dumb idea. I just tell the cop, well, it was not my purpose to run the stop line. Stop sign. It was not my purpose to speed. My purpose was to get to someone else, some other location as quickly and safely as possible, and I was therefore moving at the same speed as traffic rather than obeying the stop signs or the speed limit signs. I mean, this whole thing about purpose, all of a sudden, I'm looking at this, and they're talking about it. I'm not making this up. This goes to your purpose in in this matter in this section 15 is to establish legal presence in the United States for the purpose of essentially demonstrating your eligibility to apply for a driver license that's the purpose what if you have a different purpose what's the purpose behind a vehicle registration what's the purpose behind a driver's license what if i have a different purpose when i apply for a for a driver's license what if i have a different purpose when I apply for a vehicle registration or a license on the back of my vehicle? Well, it could destroy a lot of their presumptions because that's what their presumptions basically do is to presume your intent. Well, I understand. And when they say intent, we're probably talking about purpose. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, your purpose, the concept of purpose is not far removed from that of intent. Um, What I'm wondering... One of the things that crossed my mind, they're saying that you've got to establish legal presence uh, for the purpose in the United States for the purpose of establishing eligibility for a driver license and so on. I'm wondering, among other things, is legal presence a function of purpose? What if it's not my purpose to drive a vehicle? in the territorial or administrative districts of the United States? What if my purpose is to drive a vehicle within the borders of the state of Texas? That's my purpose. Sure. Do I need a driver license to, to, to exercise that purpose? You know, this is... We don't have answers, but these are the kinds of questions... Well, and yeah. a lot of this stuff, the way you the way you word things is important mm-hmm. because, you know, they recognize because they read this stuff. They know, you know, these laws or statutes or whatever they are. They they know these. They're familiar with them. At least judges are, you know, at least to the extent of what they deal with, you know. And and you're, you you should use what you're dealing with. You know that is what I tell people a lot of the times. It's look, you know. Oh, gosh, I don't understand the law. I can't do the law. Oh, the law is this. And I'm like, well, you know, you have one specific problem. You know, whatever it is, uh, bankruptcy, you got, you know, you got a traffic ticket, uh, whatever it is. You you got, usually people have one problem. Well, you only have to research that one problem. You don't have to know all the law. Yeah, I know. You know, because if you go in there and you know the relevant law to your problem... You're going to do a lot better. Uh, you're going to have a much better chance of, you know, walking out of there uh, rather than, you know, being let out. 
I think, anyway. And, no, I agree. I know, agree. And, if, and there's another point about it. You talk about you don't need to know all the law. You just need to know the relevant law for whatever you're dealing with. And <clears throat> to some degree, you don't even need to know all of the relevant law for whatever subject matter you're dealing with. What you need to know is more of the relevant law than your adversary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right? I don't have to be a genius to win in court. I just have to be smarter than the guy I'm bumping heads with. And if you are, and you can raise the right questions, and the other guy says, well, uh, uh, mm, guess what? Um, and the judge is in the same situation. You know, we're looking at things right now that uh, a lot of people would say are silly. They're just word games. But that's what law is. Law is all about linguistic precision, and it's part of the reason why it's so hard to read legal documents because they go so far trying to make, trying to communicate an idea precisely where there's no ambiguities and no misunderstandings that it becomes very difficult for the ordinary person to read. And it's precisely because when you deal with law, it really is a word game. And if you can master that word game, you can start to push back against these people. Because they don't, they're used to the average American being so dumb they don't, they barely know how to spell their own names. Which has made them dumb. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you, still as long as they know a little bit and they know more than you do, you're in trouble. Right. But and that's where it comes when you know the word games better than they do, they're in trouble. Yep. Yeah, and what's true. the truth of the matter? I don't know, but the truth, one of the truths is that when you start locking horns with someone out of the patriot community or constitutionalist community who actually understands something about the word games and is prepared to play on that level, all right, uh, it's going to cost them a lot of money to collect that $200 on the seatbelt violation. Well, that's true. And they can't run the business dealing with people who are adept at playing word games. You know, and here in Oregon, what they've done, probably they do it in most states for the seatbelt thing. You know, if it's your first time and you're not a serial offender or something, you know, yeah, the ticket's, you know, 100, 200 bucks. Or you can go to a class for a couple hours for 25 bucks, right? And it doesn't go on your record and it doesn't count. Now we can all say, well, isn't that nice of the state? And they really don't want to come down too hard. I have a different view. I think they've lost so many seatbelt cases. I think people, because seatbelt cases are pretty, you know, if you if you care to do it, they're like speeding tickets. You know, if you really care to do it, you can pretty much beat a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, and I think they lost so many of them, and it took up so much time and jammed up the court so much, they decided, you know what, 25 bucks is not 100 bucks, but it's better than nothing. We can yeah. run We can run maybe 100 people through one of these things. You know, that ain't a bad night's work. Yep. And it's better than losing these people. You know, and I think that's why they did it. Yep. Uh, not because they just... like us and they care about us and they don't want oh, to rob no, us that's anymore. Just, that's just absurd. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yeah I, I think so because, you know, uh, speeding tickets and seatbelt tickets are, are tough for the If somebody really wants to, you know, fight them, and hey, you know what, for 100 bucks, yeah, you bet. I'll come down there well, and, and fight you. Why, folks. historically, they haven't had many people fight them because virtually no one understands anything about the law. 
How are you going to fight them if you can't read the language? The only way you can fight them is hire an attorney. What's the cost to hire an attorney? Yeah, more than the fine. More than the fine. So you are at the mercy of the judge, if there is, if the judge has any mercy, and you can just pretty much, if unless you can play the word games, right? Yeah. You're going to pay that fine, or you're going to do the time, well, one or the other. And Take that's your- true, and a lot of things are a lot more complicated. But like I say, you know, speeding tickets and uh, seatbelt tickets. You go look online. There's a lot of there's a lot of information about how to beat them. Yeah. And, uh, and some of it even works. Yes, yeah, some of case. it does even work. Yeah. And I think that's None of it happens. is guaranteed to work all the time, however, so no. far as I'm able to understand. You can always get a judge that just it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. It doesn't even matter how good you are at anything. I mean, yeah. you can know everything, and he's just going to go, <laughs> I'm the king, and you're going away. Yep. I told this story. I've told this before, but I can remember I used to deliver pizzas in Chicago while I was going to college. And uh, I got arrested one night, zipping around the little Volkswagen, delivering pizzas. I was speeding, going the wrong way on a one-way street, (laughs) and ran a stop sign on a rainy night. I wasn't doing it intentionally, understand? I guess the speeding I probably was, but it was so rainy I couldn't see I was going on a one-way street. This is just a kid. I was 18, 19 years old. Illegal pizza delivery. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it was, and but what we learned, you get enough tickets, and you learn you got to go to court because sometimes you win just by going. Yeah, yeah, right. You aren't going to win if you don't go to court. If you do win, you might win. If you do go to court, you might win. I get to court, <laughs> and the judge, he says, uh, he says, "What were you doing?" I said, we're "Delivering pizza," and he's looking at the tickets, and he says. Uh, all right, you're, and who are you delivering pizzas for? And I said, Frank's Pizzerino. And the judge happened to live in that neighborhood. <laughs> and it turned out that we did deliver pizza to his house from time to time. We had good pizza. Um, and the judge says, bang, case dismissed. The pizza must go through. So <laughs> there was my defense. Do you understand? I was delivering pizza, and he liked that particular brand of pizza, so he dropped the case. Mm-hmm. And that was just it. And I was, you know, I was just amazed. It's a great uh, thing that he never got a really bad pizza. Yeah, I understand. Well, oh, so you work for there, do you? Uh huh. Good enough. Case dismissed. Yeah. Hey, the pizza must go through. That was the judge's statement. <laughs> it was Chicago. You know what can I tell you? So, any case, we're going through. We're talking about California law that deals with. What's required to become eligible to simply apply for a driver license and or identification card? And where are we? I'm I'm wondering if the receipt of that original driver license and or identification card is a privilege. Do you think it's a privilege or a right, or do you think it's something else? Well, I... I'm not sure. They say they they say and they deal with it as though it's a privilege. I think that's correct. What's the difference between a privilege and a right? Well, a privilege can be revoked and it's given by government, you know. Yeah, that's part of it. There's another part also. What I've seen in just superficial reading about it, not to say that this is reliable information. It's true information, but maybe I don't understand it correctly in the rest of it. 
A privilege is something that goes along with a duty. If you have a right, I have a right to keep and bear arms. Okay? I don't have a duty to keep and bear arms. I don't have a duty to do any of this stuff. I have the right. The right exists without without regard to any associated duty. But a privilege exists in relationship to a duty. A privilege, for example, to drive a car probably exists in relationship to a duty to pay income taxes, at least at the state level and maybe at the federal level. A privilege to drive involves the duty to obey the rules of the road. A privilege is associated with a duty, and what that implies to me, it doesn't say this, but it implies that privileges are issued to fiduciaries. Hmm. In trust relationships, fiduciaries basically have all of the duties, and the beneficiaries have all of the rights. I think what's happened with our Constitution, I know in the Texas Constitution it says Article 1, Section 2, it says this Constitution was established by the people of the state of Texas, and it was established for their benefit. And they say for their benefit, which tells me the people of the state of Texas are the beneficiaries of the Constitution of the state of Texas. It tells me that the Constitution of the state of Texas is a trust instrument and that the people are the beneficiaries and the government, the original intent is that the government would be the fiduciaries. The government has duties, the people have rights. That's not so much of a stretch when they say, you know, it's created for your benefit to consider you're a beneficiary. Yeah, absolutely. That's really not a stretch there. And when I think about it, it pretty much has to be that way. I mean, I'm convinced that constitutions, some people think they're contracts, some people have other opinions. I think they have to be trust relationships. They can't be contracts because there's no living signatory to the Constitution of the state of Texas. There's no living signatory to the Constitution of the United States. How can we be bound by it except in the context of either beneficiaries or fiduciaries in a trust relationship? Well, and uh, a guy, uh, Lysander Spooner, has a has a real good uh well it's a book and and somebody did an audio book of it the constitution of no effect and he destroys the idea and argument that the constitution is a contract of some sort no it's not i mean he destroys it like for 90 minutes yeah piece by piece it's a it's a great uh you know if you if you like that sort of thing it it's great to listen to because if you ever thought cuz i've heard that for a long time well it's a contract because they say in in some things they use the word compact yep you know and everybody says well that's just that means a contract and well well <laughs> not necessarily no no and not in this like case agreement. and not what between does agreement people. mean right well agreement is well I don't know. You know, it includes trust relationships. Okay. All right. You can agree to be fiduciary. I'm going to set up a trust. I'd like you to be the fiduciary. I'd like my my daughter is going to be the beneficiary, and I'd like you to be the fiduciary. Would you agree to act as fiduciary in this trust relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes or no? You can. You can. If you can reject it, you reject it. But if you voluntarily agree, you're in. All right. And it's not a contract. It's a trust relationship. But you can enter into it voluntarily, and you can be presumed to enter into it by mere conduct. 
Um, and that's what I believe the courts do in most instances. They presume that you volunteered into these fiduciary relationships, into well, these trust relationships. Uh, that's, an easy, that's an easy sell with me because I really believe that the courts presume 99% of what they do in the court is all presumption. I agree. And I think those presumptions go to things, they may go to things like purposes, which we've talked about previously. They may go to whether you are exercising the right to travel within a state of the union, or you're exercising the privilege of driving within an administrative district and or territory of of the United States. Well, it's real sneaky how they've done it. I mean, they, you know, it's but it, yet it's not yeah. it's not all that sneaky because they have put it in their rules of procedure that look, we have two pages. Look, we have all these presumptions, and then at the end we tell you we have even more that we didn't list here. So you know, in their in their idea, well, hey, we've noticed everybody. There you go. You don't care to look at it. You don't care to look at it. You just wander in here and you start going, sure, yeah, I understand. Oh, great. Well, you know, you've been noticed, so now I'm presuming all these things. And uh, what size are you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. How do you like the color orange? Does it bring out blue in your eyes or anything like that? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, People are beginning to pee. They're beginning to perceive Slowly, it's hard to even believe a lot of the things we talk about here. It's hard for me to believe them. I'm sure it's hard. Some of this stuff, you get to where you think it's probably true, even though it's hard to believe. You wouldn't believe. It's hard to believe that the government and the lawyers and the judges can be as sneaky and treasonous as appears to be the case. Uh, I pretty much settled into believing that, but... What's hard for me to believe is when I look around and I see the major- the vast majority and wonder how it is they can't see any of this. Yeah, I know. That's what amazes me is how, you know, everybody has Internet apparently. Yep. And, and it, it, people even carry it around with them in, in smart devices. Mm-hmm. And yet, why does the vast majority <laughs> not see any of this? You know why they call them smart devices? <laughs> because they're smarter than the people who have them. Yeah. But they don't say that. That's what you have a smart device. Yeah. Oh, that's the brains of the operation. You're just the dummy who carries it around. Yes. Well, I've uh, alienated quite a few people by pointing out what the I in iPhone stands for. Well, idiot. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought you were going to probably go <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. People aren't 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 as amused with hearing that as you would think they are. Yeah, I understand that. It's amazing how much of our stand-up routines really kind of falls flat. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard to find a uh, an. It's mostly a tough audience. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the difference between privilege and right, though, I think, is an important point, especially if it's always true. It's at least sometimes true that a privilege is associated with a duty. And it's like saying, you're the fiduciary in the trust. You're the guy who has to uh, take care of the books and administer the programs, one thing on behalf of the beneficiary. But we're going to give you a privilege. You don't have a right, but under the trust relationship, you do have a privilege. We're going to let you drive the company car. Now, would you say, would would you agree that a privilege 
is something that you have to be uh, you have to qualify for. Yeah, and, a say, right, and a right is something that you're entitled to. I think you're. I think especially your God-given unalienable rights. You give at them as an as, as an attribute of your creation. All right. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That statement tells me that the print, the, the fundamental idea is that you. You get your God-given unalienable rights at the moment of your creation, not your birth. Right. right? And that's a big, that's an important point. It's, it says much, your unalienable rights, God-given unalienable rights are as much a part of you as the color of your eyes or, you know, the, uh, whether you're going bald or not. Mm-hmm. It's part of your genetics, pra- pra- practically. It's, it's, it's something almost like DNA. It's yours in a way that's just completely intimate and cannot be... I mean, you can you can gouge a man's eyes out, but technically he still has blue eyes. Check his DNA. Right. He might not have eyeballs, but he's, got, but he's still got blue eyes. Um, your unalienable rights, to my mind, are God-given and the attributes of your creation, and that pretty much, you know, they're almost parts of your... So those rights in particular, you got those. Whether you can argue them successfully is another is another situation, and you've got them so long as you appear in the status of one of the people. Mm-hmm. If you're going to show up in the status of one of the inhabitants, occupants, residents, citizens, all right, you're going to appear in another capacity. Ha ha ha! In that capacity, you're not going to get those rights. But you might qualify for some privileges. Oh yeah. Well, one of the things that I think has happened, I've seen references to the Social Security number that I've never verified. I've heard it from people that I've thought knew what they were talking about. They should have known what they were talking about. And I've heard it from more than one source that if you take a Social Security number, it is deemed, it it creates a presumption that you're an employee of the federal government. Now, I don't know that that's the truth of the I've matter. I've heard that. I've heard that, too. And you I've know, heard it from people who might know what they're talking about who should have known. And when it's been explained to me, it makes sense. But, you know, I wasn't shown, like you, any what's evidence to say, well, here you go. This is the proof, you know. But What's the danger? The danger? Yes. Of what? Of being, of in being a, an employee of the federal government. Oh, gosh. Where do I... I I think there's a lot of dangers. Employee employer relationship is always a trust relationship where the employee is the fiduciary and the employer is the beneficiary. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, if you're an employee of the federal government, if you are presumed to be an employee, you're the fiduciary. You're the one that has the duties. You don't have any rights. The government itself becomes the beneficiary. The way the Constitution was set up, in my opinion, and I'm talking about state constitutions right now, the state constitution is there to establish that we, the people, are the beneficiaries, and the government and its employees are the fiduciaries. They're supposed to work for our benefit. They are supposed to be public servants. They serve the public. They work for the public's benefit. But if they can change things around and create the presumption that you are one of the employees of the government, then you're no longer a beneficiary. You are now presumed to be a fiduciary. 
you now have obligations to support the government. It used to be the government was obligated to serve and protect the people. But once the people are presumed to be employees of the government, they're presumed to be fiduciaries under an employer-employee relationship, they don't have the rights of beneficiaries anymore. You can sit back and say, well, I have certain rights. No, you don't. You have a Social Security number. You're an employee of the government. And unless you can refute that, dispute it, deny it in a way that's effective in court, you are now in big trouble. Because generally speaking, it's always the fiduciaries who go to jail. The beneficiaries get to walk most of the time. It's the fiduciaries who have obligations that if they fail to perform those obligations, they're they're the ones that are going to pay a fine or do time. And I think the government has reversed circumstances on us, and they've set up where the government is now the beneficiary and we the people or we, the citizens, are the fiduciaries, and now it's up to us to support the government. I wouldn't doubt that, especially seeing as how they sold the whole Social Security idea to the people with exactly the opposite of what you just described. They sold it to them as a trust arrangement to where, hey, you're getting this old age thing. This is here for your benefit. You're the beneficiary. Uh, We're going to keep this fund for you. Mm-hmm. For your old age, where the fiduciary is going to take care of this money for you until you need it when you're old. And uh, that's how they sold it. And, and they seem to do this an awful lot. Present one thing. I mean, okay, let's just look at some simplistic thing that doesn't prove anything, but it, it, it's curious anyway how they name all their bills. Exactly the opposite of what they really are about. Yeah, I understand. You know, the Patriot Act, really? Yeah, yeah, The Freedom Act, really? Yeah. You know, yeah, they're exactly... Fraud, deception, you know. You know, so... It's just lies, that's what it comes down to. And it's done habitually, and they just laugh about it. Yeah, and it's hard to believe it's all just the Patriot Act. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, somebody's got to imagine people slapping the senator or the congressman on the back. Hey, I I got to buy that minute drink. He just came up, we'll call it the Patriot Act. What a brilliant you, idea. You win the acronym award for this. The acronym of the year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they and they do it all the time. You know, so it, it would stand the reason. It would be within their nature, almost, if they oh, were going to be selling. if they didn't. You know, if they were going to sell you something like Social Security under the guise of, hey, you're the beneficiary, we're the fiduciary because, I mean, obviously, if you take Social Security for what it was, you know, it's public relations, right? It's yep. obviously a trust relationship. Oh, yeah. You're a trust fund baby on, on Social Security, basically. I mean, hey. You, yeah, you know, but you, are you the fiduciary or are you the beneficiary? Well, somewhere it's along the line. It's possible that they started out intending you to be the beneficiary, and over time, one way or another, they pulled a, a switcheroo and they moved you into the status of fiduciary. But here's one of the points about Social Security. I remember my dad telling me back again in the late 1950s, and I can remember this. I didn't understand it at the time, but I can remember standing out in the kitchen. I would have to be, I don't know, seventh grade, something like that. And the old man is explaining to me that how if you put enough, if if you took the same amount of money that they were putting into Social Security back then, and it was less than we have right now, but they had higher interest rates. If you put it in the bank 
and allow it to accumulate during your years working. By the time you retired, you'd have over a million dollars in the bank. Now, would you rather retire and get $1,200 a month from government, or would you rather retire and have a million dollars in the bank of your own money, and if you expired, that money would be yours to leave to your heirs? You got nothing. If you die under Social Security, your heirs get nothing. Yep. Huh? The point is, the way it was set up, if they were responsible about the money, you could certainly have several hundred thousand dollars, perhaps a million dollars, when you reached retirement age in the Social Security account, if you were the beneficiary. What if you're not the beneficiary? What if they've moved you over and you're actually presumed to be a fiduciary? And it's not Social Security's business to support you. It's your business to support Social Security and or the government. Boy, now, it sure seems like that's what they've done. Dollars, you're going to retire, and you'll get 20 years of or whatever, maybe 30 if you're lucky, of $1,200 a month. Uh, it's a fraction of what you might otherwise have had, and it's kind of more like a privilege to receive Social Security today than it is a right. Uh, maybe that's even what some of these entitlements are about. Um, and the idea of the privilege. Uh, I'm, I'm beginning to suspect that whenever you apply for something, you fill out an application. I think you're filling out an application for a privilege. Yeah, because you have to. You do have. You have to qualify. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's certainly not a right. Because if no. it was a right, I could just walk down there and say hi. Yep. You know, I'm here for my That's money. Right. You don't need. You don't need an application to make the right work. No, I'm here for my yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, I don't know, I, I, I think part of the point I'm trying to make with this is we are just exploring all we've been looking at. We're 25 words in the heading of this section that deals with California driver licenses. And just those 25 words open up <clears throat> a significant basis for questions and debates. And here's what they said. United States, okay, which United States are you worried about? And what do you mean by legal presence? All right? Where am I? How could I be present but not legally present? I mean, the number of questions you can extract just out of those 25 words are enormous. And for people who've listened to the program before, <clears throat> you understand that you may understand that I'm, that I'm convinced that whenever they send you a notice, they create your right of inquiry. And if you receive some paper documents from the government, you get to ask questions about them. Not in the context of discovery. This is, not, this is similar to discovery, but it takes place before a case is ever filed. The first document, they don't just sue you. Government doesn't just sue you. All right? First, they send you a document, and they say, you know, you got, you got 20, you know, got 21 days to send us X number of dollars or uh, fill in the blank or send in this form or whatever. They start with a notice, not a lawsuit. If you don't respond properly to the notice, then you may get the lawsuit, but they start with a notice. The notice creates your right of inquiry. You get to ask questions. Because we have a right to informed consent. That's right. 
and before I can consent to anything. And I really think that, again, 99% of what they do, I think, is by your consent. Oh, yeah, it's presumed that you've yeah. consented to virtually all of this stuff. Right, through presumption. And when you start asking questions, they they have a very difficult problem. And I've done this a couple of times. I've done it twice with the IRS. I've done it once with the uh, Dallas Bar Association. They wanted to get me for an authorized practice of law. I've done it in relationship to a friend of mine. He was getting fooled around with by the IRS. Just send them some questions. Well, and, and they away. They couldn't answer the questions. They didn't want. I don't know that they couldn't, but they didn't want to answer the questions. And proceedings simply stopped. I think they'd rather have you not consent than have to actually inform you. I think that's probably true, too. You know, because, and I think that's why they put this stuff in there, like, rules of procedure. Why they list all these presumptions and say, oh, by the way, we've got other ones, too, that we don't have here. It's because when you come in there and you go, yeah, I understand. Okie dokie. We have informed you. So this is informed consent. Because well, by the time you get to court, you're in trouble. Well, you've sure. already made some big mistakes, in my opinion. The idea, from my perspective, is you've got to ask your questions long before they even threaten to send you to court. Well, yeah, but I mean, I've, I've done the questions. Then if they don't respond, then you are being deprived of procedural due process, which consists of notice, opportunity to be heard. Opportunity to be heard is when you go to a hearing where you will be found guilty about 98% of the time. Well, the opportunity to be heard is, in fact, an opportunity to be sentenced, but to now, be fined and or sentenced to the slammer. You don't want the opportunity to be heard. That means you control the notice, and the notice is not complete until you agree that you have sufficient notice. Well, now, many, many, by silence. many times I've filled out, you know, questions and done everything and sent it in, and, you know, they don't, they don't respond or they don't whatever, and I end up, you know, because... You you know once that happens, just this idea that people have of well just don't go to their court. Well, yeah, they'll just no. come and give you a personal invitation and, ha- yeah, and right. give you a holding cell to wait for your time uh-huh. to go to court. Yeah, so right. I show up, but a lot of those times, you know, you get the whole uh, oh well come over here your case has been dismissed or whatever. Mm-hmm. They still make you show up though. Yep. You know, when I say go to court, that doesn't always mean you're going to have a trial or you're okay, even going I get, to see I the get judge. You know? I get what you're saying. Yeah, if you can, if you've already laid your foundation properly, you need to go to court to kind of rub their noses in it. Right, to say, you know what, I'm not going to just let you find me guilty because I didn't show up. No, I'm here. Yep. yep. Oh, okay. All right, I agree with you. I agree with <laughs> yeah. you. Know. But in terms of just showing up as if the battle will start, once you get to court, no. that's a bad that's a bad strategy. No, that's as you bad as that's as bad as not showing up at all. And then the courtroom is the is the uh, the admission the admission that yeah you won get out of here. Yeah, that, that's that, You see that's that's the whole thing too. There's lots of ways to lose. It, it's like you know if you, if you well, think, there's more than one way to win too. Sure, but if you think that you're gonna just well huh, okay fine I got this I'll show up in court and that's when we'll start our battle. You got big trouble. I understand. But if you get your thing and go, ha, I don't need to show up to your uh, admiralty, you know, non-judicial blah, 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 court. Well, you're in big trouble, too. You know, because if you don't show up. (laughs) Why would they turn you loose after you show up in court? 
You mean after you do your uh, paperwork after and you've stuff? After you've done your due diligence and you've sent your oh. paperwork in before you ever got to court, why did they turn you loose? Uh, my personal thought is, is real simple. I think they're running a business and you're not profitable. Well, that's 